Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 274, our first for July 2019, with Graham McMillan and I going deep on the big news in the last few weeks, the shuttering of Vertigo, DC Inc., DC Zoom, and Mad Magazine, and the surprise cancellation of The Walking Dead by Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard at issue 193, released just this very week. Is Image or DC in trouble? Is the North American comics market? We discuss all the possibilities in this not quite 2.5 hour installment. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good. How about yourself? I um It's it's we're recording on July fourth weekend, it's a Saturday, but I have to keep telling myself it's a Saturday because all of today I've thought it was Sunday. And it's actually weirdly screwing with me. I believe it. I believe like, it. Like in my head I'm like, I'm working tomorrow and they're like, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I can't get my head around the fact that this is Saturday and I have tomorrow off. It's genuinely messing with my head. Yeah, I know what you mean. I really do know what you mean, yeah. Uh, and, and so it's been a very surreal day where I'm like, oh man, you know, I've got to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Especially because San Diego is in a week and a half. Mm-hmm. So like, well, it has to be done. And then I'm like, but I don't, tomorrow's Friday. And then I'm like, but should I be doing it anyway? Because there's a, there's a lot that needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've, 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 I'm in a really strange mood, Jeff. Mm. You? Uh, somewhat the same, I guess. I have to say, like, I, Work was so crazy for the three days leading up oh. to this holiday weekend, and oh. I know that's true for you as well, yeah. But uh Um so so I, I just to get here, I've I've just been once I did make it here and it looked like, oh, I don't I'm not actually gonna have to work over this holiday weekend. It's all gonna I got everything all lined up to run without me, that's great. Uh I just turned into just this bag of uh, protoplasm. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I don't. Yeah. So, read something. Ah, I guess. Right. Yeah. In the weird thing where it's like, okay, so so I'm not working, so I should like I should relax, mm-hmm. and then finding myself weirdly unable to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like because for example, um, the third season of Stranger Things dropped, and I want to watch it, mm-hmm. but. I mean, Wednesday, uh, or rather Thursday, Friday, and today, I've honestly been like, I don't have the patience right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to sit down and make it through that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's the weirdest thing. The, the most I've, I've read, like the most coherent things I've read, is the uh, Detroit era of Justice League and DC Universe. Wow. Which I yeah. spent a few hours just like reading in its entirety. <laughs> That's fabulous. Well, I mean, there is that. I mean, we've sort of been chipping away at, at various things. We, Lord knows we have enough to talk about, I suspect, tonight. So. Oh, yeah. This, this has been uh, – I mean, it's been two weeks, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, But like this last week alone, yeah, there's been – one thing that everyone is going an end of an era and another one that's legitimately an end of an era. <laughs> uh, 
I'm, well, no, and I'm saying those in the reverse order, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, the one that everyone's saying is the end of the era, and I'm not sure is actually true, is the end of Mad. Oh, okay, good. All right. Um, because it strikes me as exactly what everyone's saying about Vertigo as well, which is like, it, this is, this, you know, like, how can DC let this end? How, what are they doing? And if you ask anyone when the last time you bought an issue of Mad was, mm-hmm. like, anyone who says any time in the last 10 years is lying. Yeah. Or they're a contributor to Matt. <laughs> you know, that's it. Like, for all, because I saw so many people talk about, you know, DC is closing Matt, and, you know, technically they're not. They're keeping it alive for reprints, but they're closing Matt yeah. for all intents and purposes. Right. Um, and people going like, you know, how can they do this? This is terrible. This just so shows, you know, how can how can they think that no one's interested in Mad? And like the real like the real answer is because none of you fuckers have bought it. Yeah, right. Like the number of people who just aren't aware that like they relaunched Mad Magazine last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah, why don't they just put it, why don't they put the monthly out? They have been doing so all along. <laughs> You know, and it's but it's it's like the thing with vertical. We're vertical closed, and everyone's like, you know, oh, vertical's closed. Oh, you know, like how how like if only they, you know, I understand that someone even said, I understand that you know they want the DC name in it. Why don't they just call it DC Vertical, which is what they've called it since they relaunched it last year. Oh, wow. And again, people just didn't know. Mm-hmm. So this thing where there was a lot of, I don't want to say like fake, you know, mm-hmm. upset, but but definitely upset that demonstrated that people weren't quite the the you know the the true fans who were heartbroken about this as they said they were they right were. yeah because yeah. they just clearly weren't paying attention to what was going on right. and mad is i mean you know bless them when really was the last time mad was actually culturally relevant yeah that's that's a that's a really really good question i mean for me i i remember feeling that uh um, the Simpsons was pretty much the pick up the and take the mantelpiece. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, or or rather, it it was clearly when it started out, it was the Mad Magazine of its generation. You know, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it. So, and and I think that just really underlined like Mad had had gone a long way and really had been incredibly influential. You know, for what twenty for, or for, thirty years yeah, exactly. or something for decades. Yeah, My, Mad was it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, and it at a certain point, you know, you get Simpsons, you get uh, South Park, and then at a certain point, you just get the internet, and that just all seems like a very that that just changes the so much of the way that we consume humor um that... and also what humor is mm-hmm. you know you'll be like i remember the fold-ins like they're oh you know and remember the you know the movie parodies i'm sure i do i mm-hmm. do remember them do but those aren't cutting edge comedy or even like in many ways those aren't acceptable comedy anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know right right yeah, no, I mean, I feel like there was that really amazing parody of the Gashly Crumb Tinies that uh, Mad did about, you know, American shooting deaths that mm-hmm. was pretty brilliant and scalding. But Yeah. And that, that was like one thing out of the last eight years that seemed to kind of rise up and, you know. Um, and, and 
I, I say this is someone who has read Mad Magazine recently because, mm-hmm. like I said, he relaunched it last year. So I got sent copies, mm-hmm. and I've been sent copies of like the Mad um, collected editions and stuff. Like I, I caught one like last month, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fine, mm-hmm. but it's fine in a. It feels it, like it feels very much like the Mad Magazine that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, I'm an old man, <laughs> you know, right, right, like. I recognize that – I mean, honestly, Mad Magazine trying to do political humor in an era like 20 years after The Onion mm-hmm. feels, right. feels incredibly dated. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mad Magazine doing Trump jokes mm-hmm. feels a little bit needy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think sadly that, that Mad – you know, it really had just ceased to be culturally relevant and people, uh, but, but uh, in a way that's kind of, I feel like where we're at in this parts of our culture, like there's such a strange desire for people to preserve things that, or rather that people want other people to preserve yes, things that yes. they themselves have no particular interest in. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's this weird cultural memory. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, the same is true of Vertigo as well. Mm-hmm. The people the people complaining about Vertigo closing the loudest were people who were not buying Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there were people who grew up on, like, like honestly, the earliest years of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Like the first 10 years of Vertigo. Right. You know, people are like, oh, remember when it did Preacher? Mm-hmm. Remember Millie Shade, the Changing Man and Enigma? And I'm, you know... Again, yes, I do. Those are great comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, you're not getting people talking about like you know. Remember the the uh, deathbed. Mm-hmm. No, no one's like, oh, I really liked. Uh, I I can't even remember the name of the the. What was the wonderful Rob Williams series that was about Twitter? That was like Twitter meets the deadliest game. What oh was shit! Was it? It wasn't countdown. No, it was uh, no, it, follower uh, count. No, um, the unsomething. Unfollowed. Was it unfollowed? Maybe I want to say it was called unfollowed. Un- Good memory. Unfollowed. Yeah, yeah unfollowed. Um, and it only lasted eighteen issues, but it was it was it was fucking great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fuck all Reddit. Right. You know, because everyone is like, oh, Vertigo, you know, if only Vertigo had kept doing what they were doing. Vertigo was doing great work right up until then, but no fucker was reading it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, that, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, so the mad thing for me is one of these things where people are like, oh, it's the end of an era. And I actually have incredibly little patience with it. Mm-hmm. Because if as many people had actually just bought the fucking thing <laughs> then it would be closing right you know right. and it's it, it really is it's this weird thing where you saw you know i and you saw i was going to say celebrities but that's not a fair way of putting it. you saw people who aren't part of the comics conversation at all mm-hmm. uh, commenting on it on social media mm-hmm. you know mad magazine informed my sense of humor and it's like that's great but at the same time again you weren't writing for it. You weren't promoting it. You weren't buying it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yeah, there's just, uh, again, there's that desire that everyone had. I mean, and, and I sort of feel that there is a little bit of the, we're all so, 
culturally on edge, I suppose, as opposed to being culturally edgy. Just the, again, that idea of like, oh, we're losing this thing and we didn't even pay attention to it. And now it's gone feels like if I want to be generous, what, what seems incredibly performative, I would just like actually kind of thinking is, uh, it's a stand-in or, or, you know, a surrogate for, for the exactly, rest for of the, yeah, yeah. All, all these other losses that people seem but to like, be feeling. But that's the thing that's particularly frustrating about like the mad thing. Yeah. Because if what you're upset is like, we're losing what mad represented, we're actually not because right. mad is continuing as a reprint book. Right. <laughs> like we're going to get more of what it represented because it's becoming a, 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 a legacy reprint title. Mm. You know, it's literally going to be around as, we also remember Don Martin. We well, remember Al Jaffe too. Well, my understanding is is that's only to fulfill current subscription needs, right? Doesn't it? Then... Uh, no, I, it's to the best of my knowledge, it is new material is ceasing shit relatively soon. Right. It's becoming a monthly reprint through some point next year, mm-hmm. and then it's continuing as an irregular reprint book. Oh, okay. Okay. So we'll like continue to release new issues, mm-hmm. new quote unquote, new issues, um, but it will all be reprint material. Mm. Um, and so it's just, I don't know. It it really was like I I, I was astonishingly like short tempered <laughs> uh, about all the you know we have lost a great American institution. Like how can how can DC do this? And to be honest. I am also one of these people who thinks that DC never should have been in charge of that. Yeah. Like, it just it seems so absolutely outside of the DC wheelhouse. Well, you know? And all, but also, like, where else is Warner's going to put it? Right. Because it's a, it's a periodical. It's a periodical with comic strips in it. Sure. Yeah. But, like, Mad Magazine is, like, the idea of, you know, Mad Magazine is a direct market-only publication. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> right. Because you know it's never going to find an audience in the drink market, Mad Magazine. Yeah, it seems pretty unlikely. Well, and it's clearly been proven true. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was strange watching everyone sort of uh, flip out about it. I mean, it, in in a way, it's certainly shocking news if you know you're not prepared for it. Um, and there may be a little bit of that, that classic, like, oh, my God, when was the last time I even thought about this and it's going away? But uh, but let's talk about, if you want, the other sort of weird era ending. Wow. Well, do you want to talk more about Vertigo? We can, if you want, sure. Well, because we, I don't think we have talked oh, about Oh, have it. we like, not? Oh, okay. I, this is the weird thing. We're like, it's happened so long ago that I can't remember if we'd actually done away with since then. Right. I think we did a drop the week after. I happened. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking back for the. Oh yeah, we wouldn't have because we definitely talked with the two episodes before that were question episodes. No Q and A. So we wouldn't, right. we wouldn't actually have properly talked about it. Um, DC's reorganization. Right. To uh, essentially eliminate imprints, with the exception of pop-up imprints. Mm-hmm. Uh, so retiring. Not only Vertigo, but Zoom and Ink, which honestly was the bigger shocker for me by far. Yeah. Because Zoom and Ink are, in terms of published material, months old. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally only put their first material out, like, three months ago. Right. And the idea that they're sharding them is is honestly, like, shocking to yes. me. Yes. Yeah. I, I, part of me is like, okay, sure, you're closing down Vertigo. 
fine. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, the vertical relaunch from last year just fucking died. Yes. Utterly, like, in in all respects died. There were seven books announced. One of them was Border Town, which were cancelled. Two of them aren't even being released by Vertigo anymore. And the other four have been cancelled after six issues. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's a disaster. Mm. That's an utter disaster. Yeah. Um, the only books that Vertigo has launched in the last, like, three years that even get a second year of the Sandman Universe books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and even then... I'm not sure if they're getting a second year. I'm assuming they are because no one's been talking about them finishing. Right. But, but you know, I mean, I guess Young Animal, but that's not officially a vertical book. You know, a, a vertical line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all of the, the big relaunch books that, again, seemed to be as old school vertical as you could literally do in today's market. Mm-hmm. Either did not come out mm-hmm. or were cancelled. Mm-hmm. Within six issues, so Vertigo going away doesn't seem like the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Zuminic going away was shocking, mm-hmm. like genuinely. I, uh, I mean, I, I, my jaw dropped to the floor when I heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know those? A lot of the Zoom and Ink material is that going to be published all under DC? All all yeah. of it is still coming out. Okay. Um, and even like two days after they announced, or maybe a day after they announced the imprints were going away, they announced the next wave of those books. Mm-hmm. So all of it is continuing. It's mm-hmm. literally the names DC Zoom and DC Inc. are going away. Right. Um, and they even announced really quietly, and so quietly that a lot of people miss it, that they're doing creator-owned YA and middle, uh, middle reader books now as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're essentially expanding the line even. Hmm. Um, and then, like, the week after they announced the Hill House imprint, which is four new creator-owned uh, mature reader books. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they announced something after that as well, I can't remember. That was like another, okay, well, clearly you're still doing this. Oh, uh, they announced, uh, uh, like, a uh, high fantasy series. Mm-hmm. That, that clearly would have been a vertical book if vertical still existed. Right. Um, so it literally seems to be they've just dropped the like the imprints, mm-hmm. but the it was just it was this again this weird thing where for some reason the headline for everyone was vertical going away. Mm-hmm. Maybe because vertical was the one that's been around longest. Whereas for me, the story is Zoom and Anchor going away. Mm-hmm. But but you had so many people being like, oh, I can't believe the DC is moving away from doing creator-owned books. And they're going to have no imprints anymore. And, you know, everything's just going to be superheroes now. And it was like, okay, like, A, you're clearly not reading the press release. But B, DC has screwed the troll out. Mm-hmm. Like this announcement is has, has gone horribly wrong if people believe that. Yeah, I think I think there's... Uh, I think it could could uh, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah, yeah I think it, Honestly, I think there's I think a lot to both. be said for both. Yeah, I really do. I really. Um, do. But it was like it, 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 it's. Let's assume that everyone tried their hardest, and I'm saying that because I know people in DC and everyone tried their hardest. Yeah, right. But the message didn't get out there mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. in the slightest. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and it was, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'm not sure how you easily describe what DC's doing, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're like, we're getting rid of all imprints, apart from the pop-up imprints. So we're getting rid of some imprints. <laughs> and one of the imprints we're getting rid of is DC Black Label, but we're keeping the name DC Black Label, but it means something else entirely different now. Right. And because DC Black Label is now one of three age range books, but it's not an imprint, Mm-hmm. Like the cover will say DC and it might say DC Black Label, but DC Black Label isn't an imprint, it's an age rating. We've also got the age rating for kids, which is DC Kids, but that's not an imprint, it's an age rating. Oh god. And Oof. like the YA stuff, what you would be DC Inc. Mm-hmm. is DC, not DC Kids, but everyone assumed that because DC's uh, Inc. was a YA line, it would all go under DC Kids. Mm-hmm. But DC Kids is 8 to 12. Mm. So the middle, the YA stuff isn't in that band. So you saw lots of people like it was a game of telephone on social media, right? Well, people were like, so they're getting, they're not canceling all imprints. They're just getting rid of these three imprints, but what, they're not really getting rid of Zoom and Ink. They're just rescheduling under a new imprint called DC Kids. Mm-hmm. And again, like you know, I a I'd read the PR, but also I talked to a lot of people at DC about this, mm-hmm. and I was like, no. I haven't, so that's not what they're doing. But again, you might not know that from looking at the PR. Yeah, yeah. So th- I think I think that is one of the things that uh, is so frustrating. Like, part of me is like, why? Maybe they should have tried rolling out some of this information via DC Universe. You know what I mean? Like, they've got an app. But but how how do you do it? Well, they've got like short short of literally just being like, okay, you know. We're doing some nuts stuff, mm-hmm. and this is the nuts stuff that we're doing. <laughs> right. Well, like, how do you explain? I mean, because it's, it's technically two different announcements, but it's really one announcement. Mm-hmm. It's we are closing all permanent imprints. The only imprints that continue are pop-up imprints. Right. And there's going to be more pop-up imprints. Because remember, this broke before the Hill House announcement. Mm-hmm. So it's we're keeping pop-up imprints. The reason we're keeping pop-up imprints is pop-up imprints go away. Mm -hmm. And pop-up imprints are specifically creator-curated book Mm -hmm. lights, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else as an imprint is going away from DC. That's an item number one. And item number two is we are getting rid of our existing age ratings. Mm -hmm. We are classifying everything instead under one of three groups. Mm -hmm. But when you put them together, and especially because one of the imprints you're getting rid of has exactly the same fucking name as right. one of your age ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is genuinely the dumbest thing. Well, I, I guess mean, it's shockingly stupid. And and this is this again is a little bit of part of me is like, maybe they should have done an AMA on Reddit. Maybe they should take two They've got community boards and news boards on DC Universe. You know what I mean? Should have done something. Yeah. Because, like, it's it's just – it is just confusing. Because, again, mm -hmm. if you are getting rid of imprints but you're introducing age uh, ratings at the same time, Mm -hmm. but your age ratings include one name, which was also one of the imprints you're getting rid of. Yeah. Like – No, it's going to be – yeah. It makes sense that people are going to get confused because you know what? That's confusing. Yeah, completely. Completely. So, like yeah. It, it was – it's uh, like I don't – I understand the logic. I've had that logic explained to me. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I understand logic insofar as I know what some people are thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with the logic, and I don't agree so much that part of me is like, but you're wrong. Like, I don't really understand logic because you're wrong. Right, right, yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense because it's kind of confusing of like, no, I, you know, I would feel like you could say I'm somebody who is paid to cover this stuff. And it sounds kind of confusing to me. You know, it's like, you yeah, it's that they would... this, I, so I found out about this before it happened mm-hmm. um, for, from the weirdest, funniest way. Mm-hmm. which is a publicist who does not work for DC <laughs> asked me when it was being announced so they didn't release a press release at the same time because their press release would get drowned out. <laughs> and I literally had no idea what they're talking about. Right. So the first thing was I went to DC and was like, what? Um, and got like a sort of polite, we have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. And then someone else within DC, much higher up, reached out and was like, we should talk. Mm-hmm. And then like, I, I had like a, a, a conversation which is basically them being like, this is what we're doing. Hmm. But even then, like, the, this is what we're doing was, you know, you kind of have to explain that to me again because I'm not sure I understand it. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Like, like okay, but this is up, like, this. Okay, but you're doing. But so why are you doing this? Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. And honestly, like the DC Black Label thing, like I said, is inexplicable to me. Mm-hmm. It honestly feels like you know the reason they did it was because they printed up lots of DC Black Label T-shirts or something. <laughs> and, like, look, we can't get rid of this bag stock. Yeah. I mean, I say that utterly sarcastically because let's face it, if that was really the reason, they would have named something else DC Zoom and DC Ink. Exactly. You know, yeah, I'm sure they had a lot more PR stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's like a DC black label, like keeping that, not only like keeping that around in general, but like that being the name for your your mature label. Mm-hmm. What about the term DC black label makes you think, well, that's obviously something for 17 and older. Uh, I mean, for me, the association is because it sounds right? like a form of booze. Yeah, like it sounds right, like it would be like, for older readers. But that's like the worst thing in the world. But, oh, I, I, I don't know. Like DC kids and and also DC kids in DC. Right. If your your argument is we're getting rid of all imprints and everything's being released under the DC banner, mm-hmm. saying everything from thirteen and older is just going to be called DC. Right. Is wacky. Yeah. Because it's like okay, so everything's going out into the DC banner, and if it doesn't have any identifier on it, it's for thirteen and older. Mm-hmm. That's just just the assumption. Like that's the baseline. Right. Which is is again just wacky. Mm-hmm. What do what do things like Deathstroke go out under? Mm-hmm. Because that book's not a thirteen like thirteen year old book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be. I literally, I'm sure they're just going to be like, you yeah, know, it's fine. But right. it's not. And I don't mean that in the sense of like you know it's got language or it's, it's got nudity or anything or violence that, that's upsetting. I literally mean in the sense of like what thirteen year old is actually going to understand what Priest is doing in terms of character dynamics or like the narrative form that he's taking there. Well, but okay, 
as not Trudy understands, appreciate. I guess is what I mean. You know, they they may or may not. I mean, that's that that was my thing. I think the part of the way that I got hooked to comics for life was reading was stuff stuff theoretically older than you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and being like, oh, I get this, I understand this, and you know, it really felt like it. Um, you know, accelerated my understanding of things. You know, <laughs> up until no, a point I, I, where I, I was I, like. Mm. No, but I, I, I actually like. I think you're right, but also part of me is like, does that audience even exist anymore? I, I didn't. Maybe, yeah, maybe no, no, no. I know, but I mean, I think that's part of. I mean, I feel like calling something just DC and 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 having that like, oh, it's for thirteen on up, continues to kind of uh, uh, muddy the waters as it has for a long time about these superhero books and sort of who they're for and what their ages are for. Like that's, this is, this continues to be a realm in which we, you know, punt. It's, I know somebody on, on Twitter who's very smart, sharp uh, writer and thinker about comics and it, and it drives them nuts that like, there's no swearing in DC books, you know, just someone saying bullshit, you know, or just, you know at beyond that level they're like come on this is ridiculous you know and yet there seems to be this this weird there and probably back from when precisely how i got hooked was you know the the early you know jim starlin captain marvel thanos stuff was not really supposed to be read by 10 year olds but yeah yeah exactly you know but at the same time it was it 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 was sort of clean enough so that if some poor son of a bitch, you know, eleven year old, paid a quarter at a Seven Eleven, they could walk away with like complete and utter befuddlement, you know, in in a twenty page it, format. It's funny you say that because like I read, um, the do you remember the Baxter uh, Warlock reprint series? Yeah, Marvel yeah. Mm-hmm. When was that? I'm actually going to look at the. I think that was that. in the '82, '83 kind of thing. I don't know. I feel like they've been reprinted um, so many times. There was just because there was the, last the great issue, Baxter the, paper reprints for Marvel. Yeah, that's was. so. The, the 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 last issue of that series, mm-hmm. the reprint series, mm-hmm. um, was the team up and two in one annuals. Oh yeah, right. Which is just and amazing. I read that issue, issue six, yeah. when it came out. And I like let's say I was nine when that came out, and I remember actually being actively like disappointed and feeling like I had been conned. <laughs> oh no, really? Wow! Yeah, just being like this should have been so exciting, and it was not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Graham, that's really interesting. To yeah, me. I like I I remember that being. Like me being like, because I remember seeing the cover, and the cover is just like all the fucking Marvel superheroes fighting, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Of the reprint of again of issue six, and me being like, this will be great. Wow. <laughs> and like reading, I just honestly being like, this should have been great. What? What? <laughs> happened? Like I've I've been conned. What happened? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's really a bummer. That what a sad story. Um. Yeah, do you think do you think to to jump back it seems safe to say that DC or someone in DC was uh that that 
the close the shuddering of vertigo and the shuddering of of mad is part of this um I guess for lack of a better term, refocusing of the DC brand by like getting rid of Zoom and Ink and folding yes. them under DC yes. and Yes. Okay. One hundred percent. Okay. Um I think that uh, I think that DC is uh, I was going to say aggressively, which is probably not the right way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I think DC is very purposefully trying to shift the idea of what it is as a publisher mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I, in arguably too many ways to do, to try it once, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest with you, but that's me being super cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it is really dramatically trying to shift the idea of what DC is. Mm-hmm. And that actually includes simultaneously a narrowing and a broadening of scope mm-hmm. I think it's going to see and I could be 100% wrong mm-hmm. this is just based on what I've heard from people I think it's going to see a narrowing of what DC superheroes do in general um, I think we're going to see especially the mainline mm-hmm. uh, like the the, the what well, you know DC Black Label was theoretically out of continuity superhero stories right right I think we're going to see as many, if not more, of those. Hmm. But I think the main line, like the DCU material, mm-hmm. is probably going to get smaller and more conservative small C in scope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think DC is going to more aggressively try and do stuff outside of that, but labeled as DC. Hmm. Because... I think there's been. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone not at DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about a month ago. Uh, about uh, I, of all things, like fandoms, right? Like fandoms in general. Right. What are the primary fandoms? Like what is out there? Mm-hmm. And this person is not in the comics industry, mm-hmm. but in the entertainment industry, and DC's entertainment industry includes like comic book companies and characters right and i'm talking to this person we're talking about like you know blah blah blah. then this is big and this is big and this is big and they they more or less said you know well there's marvel and there's batman and there's dc (laughs) and i was like yeah but batman's dc and they're like yeah but it's not Mm -hmm. like batman's batman and dc's like justice league and I was like, yeah, but Batman's in the Justice League. DC publishes Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but Batman, no one thinks about Batman as a DC character. Mm-hmm. Like, DC is, for want of a better way of putting it, like, you know, maybe Wonder Woman, but like Aquaman and, and uh, Superman and Justice League and Flash and stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't include Batman and it also doesn't include the Vertigo titles because they were Vertigo. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think DC is trying to go, we do all of this. Like, mm-hmm. all of this is a DC property. Mm-hmm. It's just that we, we've we diluted our own brand. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yes. I, I, put it this way, the idea that people think that Batman is in DC 
is a real problem for DC. Well, you know, I I, I personally think that. Uh, <coughs> well, yes, I mean that is certainly the case. I also I think that there's a lot to be said for the way that Marvel's. Um, the public awareness of that brand grew was in its own weird way, very, I don't want to say organic because I don't think that that's necessarily true, but I do think that, that the... no, it, it was very, very purposeful on Marvel's part, but mm-hmm. it grew in fandom organically. Mm-hmm. Right. And I because think... of how aggressively Marvel like, uh, produce everything as Marvel. Yes. Just, I mean, right. like it was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, it, it's right. Marvel's The Avengers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, and they, they purposely were like, no, it's fucking Marvel. Yeah. Like, these are Marvel. Like, it's the Netflix shows are Marvel's. Yes. They're Marvel's Luke Cage. Right. And and DC, DC didn't do that. And also DC had these sub-brands. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it would be, but that's it. You know, can you imagine them putting something out called DC's Batman? You know, you, I mean, no, but they, they, they should, or they might, or you know, they keep trying to slap the DC logo. I mean, the DC logo did pop up before every one of those Batman movies. It's just people didn't really have a sense of what that meant. I mean, yeah. the, and and the other thing is, is that because DC is, you know, well, well, Marvel also has this thing of, for one of a better way of putting it, like starting fresh. Yes, like Spider Man aside, you know, people were vaguely aware of Iron Man or Captain America or Thor, right. but the mass audience was like, okay, this is a relatively new concept. You like everyone knows who Batman is. Well, yeah, I guess what I guess what I'm saying is is one of the things that that Marvel did and it made a lot of sense is as you point out, you know, you had Spider-Man uh by Sony, you had uh geez, Fox doing X-Men, you know, you had these characters coming out and you know, Marvel went in, raised the money with their sort of stock option plan and putting their their IP essentially up as collateral to get the funding for Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios very much had a thing of like, we are Marvel. Marvel is going to do Iron Man and therefore we're going to do it right. Now, that doesn't mean anything, like you said, for most people who've maybe barely heard of Captain Marvel or I'm sorry, of uh, uh, Captain America or Iron Man or something. But for for the 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 fans in the know that actually carried a certain amount of heft, you know, kind of that way that um, I, I really feel like there was a big it's funny to be talking about this so close to San Diego Comic-Con because I really feel like the active courting of audiences that began at Comic-Con for things like the Lord of the Rings trilogy and stuff like that mm-hmm. began building this idea of, um, you know, doing the property justice. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, yes. and one of the we, things... We love this as much as you do. Exactly. We're one of you. Right. And that's that was a super, super important a message that Marvel was putting out there when it started building, you know, its cinematic universe as it did what I feel like what it ended up doing to, to sort of 
signal to comic fans in the know, like, no, this is Marvel, and it's slapped right down there, that ended up meaning a lot to people who fell in love with those characters, you know, either cinematically or through TV. And suddenly Marvel really had this ridiculous weight as as a full brand. Um, and, and there were some other canny things going on with that. Like you don't, you know, DC's never had as simple a signifier as Stan Lee, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you just slap Stan Lee into something and it's this, it's this quick form or shorthand of like, oh, it's this guy. It's a Marvel movie. Yeah, it's a Marvel movie. It's, you know, Stan Lee. Stan Lee created all these guys, even when then that that's not really true. There's a certain, yeah, exactly. you know, there's a shorthand there that's way easier for people to understand. In many ways, part of what's hard is because Warner's has owned DC for so long, um, there have actually been a lot of times that Warner Brothers has not done justice to the DC characters and... Consequently, I think that that makes it a really hard, weird way to to build your brand's authenticity. You know, sure, it, yeah, it, I, and also it's a really hard way to start over. Yes, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because we're, we're the same. We're technically the same studio who fucked up three times before, right. but this time we really mean it. Yeah, is is honestly an unbelievable sell. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, whereas, whereas, Mar- whereas Marvel could go. This is the first time we are in control of our own characters, right? Exactly. You know, and, and you know, you go back to the, the the early days of the Marvel Studios, and one of the bigger selling points was there's the creative trust. Mm-hmm. Like, remember, you know, we have Mike, uh, Mark Miller, and Brian Michael Bendis, right? You know, as part of a creative trust to overlook what we're doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was very much an appeal to like you guys like these comics. You'll like these movies because it's the same guys, right? Exactly. You know, before the myth of Kevin Feige rose, yeah, you know there was this creative trust that, that they leaned heavily on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And by contrast, I mean even before you get to things like um, Justice League or Batman v Superman, like just look at Catwoman. Catwoman came up under Warner Brothers and with Halle Berry, and that was just a horrible adaptation of the character and yet at every level of it i remember seeing like you know electronic press kits where you've got jim lee there being like yeah we're kind of designing out the new look for her and you know it's just it it there there is there is a weird way in which i think dc needs to figure out how to signal um is going to have to do something to try and signal itself such that the a, an organic growing of that brand because as it is it doesn't really mean anything to to those people in the know it's like great like Warner Brothers is handling the next Batman movie like they also put out the George Clooney Batman movie you know it doesn't it doesn't they, those characters weren't treated with any more or less care than when Sony got a hold of Ghost Rider to do the Ghost Rider movie, you know, or the mm-hmm. new yeah, movies. exactly, and 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 it is, and, and you know, I feel that DC and Warner's tried that, you know, mm-hmm. you saw something like Man of Steel and especially Batman versus Superman, yeah, 
released like as Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios had, had become the dominant force with the appeal to authenticity. Yeah. And so you had people give interviews where they're like, you know, we've been talking a lot to Jeff Johns about this. Right. You know, it, it, trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and it just didn't work mm-hmm. because – especially because, you know, those books are – those movies are coming out at the same time where the books aren't – are in a different place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and say what you like about something like Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Rebirth was more in tune with what the comic creator wanted than uh, Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you know? I, right. I mean, I think part of the problem with, among other things, they very DC decided, or DC Entertainment underneath Kevin uh, Sushihara. You know, was like we're going to really pin the the our opening wave on Zack Snyder and Snyder's ideas of what he wanted to do are were very particular. <laughs> yeah, very, well, very particular, but I but definitely uh, just just yeah, particular and kind of out of sync enough. Um, you know, it's almost like he's doing new 52 style movies just as everyone's in the comic industry is kind it's shifting of, away from new 52. exactly you know so i some of that can can be the the timing and the synergy of things but yeah i i'll be very curious i dc's i mean batman is bigger than just about anyone or anything in the american comics industry the the yes. times where you can look at months where you know the top ten comics sold that month and five of them are like Batman or Batman related titles you yeah. know yeah like that's just it like it's one of the, it's the same thing as as X Men was in the nineties yeah like if you split Batman off into its own comic company mm-hmm. the Batman comic company is the most successful comic company in the American industry yes absolutely I mean very you know? very much so and yeah. so. That that apparently you know is has 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 crossed over into like pop culture awareness, mm-hmm. which again is good for DC insofar as they own Batman, but is bad for DC insofar as they want that that fan awareness and fan adoration mm-hmm. to other non-Batman characters. Right, right. You know, if if they want to have the Marvel effect of you know. I know the Marvel brand and I trust the Marvel brand, so I will go and try Captain Marvel. And mm-hmm. I trust Marvel, therefore I'll go and pay money. And, you know, they don't have that. People mm-hmm. are not going to be like, well, I'm going to see Shazam because Shazam was also in the Justice League with Batman. Right. No, that's not going to happen. No one went to see Aquaman because they were like, well, you know what I loved? I loved Christian Bale's Batman. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I, and, yeah. No, it, it, I mean, shoot, don't get it wrong. Like right. you know, they're, they, I, I actually think it's to to DC's benefit that mm-hmm. that um, that the movies are distinct and and you know they're not. You know, Marvel movies that we talked before are essentially I don't want to say tonally one note, but every Marvel movie is tonally of a piece with every other Marvel movie. Mm. And there is something more interesting to me about you know a Batman versus Superman versus an Aquaman versus a, a you know what everyone's saying about the Birds of Prey movie right now um you know all these things that they are very much their own things mm-hmm. that that's more interesting to me as a viewer but i can 100% see why Warners would rather have 
Well, I the think... success that comes with yes, with the sweet spot of uh, you can trust the brand, right? Right. No, and they're they're having a lot of they're having a lot of difficulty with that. Um, you know, it's funny. I feel and sorry because this is a bit of a departure point, but we were talking about Batman. You mentioned reading uh, through Justice League Detroit on DC Universe. One of the things that I find fascinating about digging through DCU is you open up the app, you go to the comics, and you just sort of start scrolling through. I mean, now that I've had the app for a while, I'm relying more on what's new this week and picking stuff up. But every once in a while... Yeah, but like just scrolling through is a nightmare. If, they, if only they'd had a fucking search function. No, I know. And, the th- and what's crazy is because Batman's so early... You hit that Batman section and you are like the DC universe really makes me aware that app makes me aware of how much fucking Batman DC has produced. And of course, the other thing that's amazing, and I think it's part of what could be one of DC's strengths is DC really has published so much of everything. You know, yes. and I think it's actually it's amazing when you like you just scroll through that that the DC universe app. Yeah, it's it's shocking just how much of everything they've published. Yeah, you know, and you and I both know there's there's a lot of stuff that is not there. Good. I think well, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> there's that, but I mean, but just simply from an idea of uh, in theory as an IP generating factory. You know, I think you and I had talked about, uh, not even in a relatively recent episode, but both of us had talked about our love for uh, the 100th issue of DC Showcase. Yeah. Right? Which, by Joe Staten and, was it Paul Levitz or was it Cooper Bird? Uh, it's, it's, I think it's both. I think it's Levitz and Cooper Oh, okay. Um, you know, that book is just so filled because they made it a point to throw in all these characters, you know, for every character who'd had a, a starring role in, in showcase at that point. Right. And at that point, you're just like, well, holy fuck. There's like the sea devils and dolphin and angel and the ape and the specter and phantom stranger and the flash. And, you know, it just, it covered such a spectrum. Like part of me is I'm, like, I'm always like DC, you guys have space cabbie. How can you be having any sort of problems whatsoever? You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's like they, they, there's so much, there's so many high concept hooks that they created and then just have locked down that's just kind of waiting there to sort of have something happen with them in a way. Um, but the weird part is, is I don't know necessarily know if that is expressly says you know quote unquote this is dc like you know like if that's what they want well, it makes it be like, a really like, hard what, time yeah yeah to go well, that's from. just it mm-hmm. if you include like if you include everything published marvel has an easier version of saying like this is marvel because marvel's publishing focus in the last 20 years shall we say mm-hmm. has really been much more focused than dc's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know dc has like vertical was what 30 years old 25 years old mm-hmm. uh, so they have always been going okay we have the superhero line but we're also doing like batshit crazy stuff over here like right. on an ongoing basis for the last 25 years but then you also consider that before superheroes took hold again mm-hmm. like dc was doing all this wacky shit as well yes and under 
you know, Didio gets a really, really bad rap, but Didio also has made a point of like bringing back weird shit mm-hmm. in like at least one book on an ongoing basis of the last like ten years, say. Right. You know, there was a Sugar and Spike book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just they do keep bringing this stuff up. Mm-hmm. What DC is as a brand is actually really hard to explain. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is DC? It's a comic company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it publish? Well, it publishes a bunch of superheroes and other things. Right. And over the course of its history, it's actually acted a lot more like a traditional publisher, you know, uh, in, in the sense of, like, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. And even even after uh, superheroes... You know, it was still like, well, let's try and get, you know, uh, Batlash out. You know, there's... Right, exactly. Or, you know, House of Secrets, House mm-hmm. of Mystery. Yeah. Or, or, you know, there's always been... The line has never just been superheroes. That's right. You well, know, and there, there always has been... Always has been a significant portion that has been something else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look back at the 80s. You, you know I love the DC Digest, the reprint Digest. Yes. And the reprint digests were literally month on superhero reprint, month off like random comedy reprint, mm-hmm. and this was like the mainstream DC reprint book. Right. And every other month it was like, oh fuck, Captain Carrot, sure, or you know maybe you want some funny animal stuff from the fifties, right? Or you know what? And it was a reminder, like DC has always been this. Uh, in a in a good way, mm-hmm. like distracted, you know, nonsensical mm-hmm. publisher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for for a long time, it just it had such control over the market that it, yeah, it would publish anything and everything. And unsurprisingly, when superheroes, the superhero Silver Age, really kicked in, everyone was very suspicious that it was going to go away. So they continued to keep their other stuff still selling and you know someone like marvel by contrast was strictly uh tightly controlled by the number of uh titles they could publish and then once that you know the gates flew open for that they tried publishing all sorts of other stuff but in a weird way that they could still continue to sell it to superheroes you know and there's just and and also like they they almost always i mean like up until Arguably, Star Comics in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Everything Marvel Comics was doing as a comic book, as opposed to the magazines, and even the magazines for the most part, yeah, took place in the Marvel universe. That's right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. They're 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 mag, with the exception of some, but crazily enough, not even all of their licensed comics. You know, yeah, you exactly. had Stuff like exactly. Micronauts or Rom, and it just it just all plugged in. And the thing that's kind of crazy is is that ended up being precisely what entertainment conglomerates wanted in the early 21st century in, yes. it, you know, and, and I don't think that that is, that is a really hard model to, to pivot to, you know, I just, I, and honestly, it's hard for DC to have that same brand loyalty. If they also want to keep the, the, variety of their publications we'll see exactly you know and and i think and i think that they do 
Mm-hmm. Want to keep that? You know, the fact that they then announced creator-owned young adult titles, the fact that they then announced the Joe Hill books, mm-hmm. you know, the the fact they announced the the fantasy series. That I mean, in all honesty, it's a twelve-issue series, Jeff, and it, I refuse to believe that it is not going to be in cancellation territory by issue six. Right? Like, you can't tell me there is enough of an audience to have. A, a high fantasy series in in the direct market right now. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, really? yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, like just disconnected to everything else. I I just I can't see it. But, well, you know, what's Kieran Gillen's die selling at? Isn't that doing like? You uh, know? Okay, put it this way: it's in DC cancellation territory already. Is it? Yeah, it's in single issue, th- single digit thousands. Oh, I didn't realize. I just assumed yes. that it was still in the twenty thousand category or something no, like that. No, no, interesting. Okay, um, but that's just it, you know. So we look at, and I'm fudging here because, like, all sales or all order figures are, are dodgy. Like, right. none of us have access to final numbers. But for the most part, if anything publishes around fifteen thousand or below, mm-hmm. it's going to get cancelled by DC, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this will, this is getting onto something we're going to talk about in a bit. All, with the exception of like I think now one image comic, everything image is publishing is less than twenty thousand yes. on, on a longer basis. Right, right. You know, so the argument like for DC to see for DC to keep a book around, books are going to have to be outselling image hits, and I don't think that a high fancy title mm-hmm. that's mature readers mm-hmm. from. Uh, writers with no credits to mm-hmm. their name, no hits to their name, is going to do that. I just don't. But DC announced it. DC announced the Hill House books. Again, they're, I think they're all six-issue series, and honestly, that seems really smart. Because mm-hmm. up front, you allow them to finish the run, and they can end, and everyone can basically be like, oh, we, hooray, we did the series. Like, we did it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like the vertical books all ended at the vertical relaunch books all ended at six issues. They were all supposed to be ongoing series. Sure, you know, right. So there's no way of looking at that as as other than a, a failure. Mm. You know, right. Um, but the fact that DC's announcing them anyway makes me think that DC wants to continue to have this varied line. The problem is, what does that make DC the brand? Right. Kind of nothing. Right. Which is the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the kitchen is coming out. The, the adaptation of the vertical comic mm-hmm. is coming. That's going to share our branding with the Joker movie, which is going to share our branding with Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. So, what are we supposed to think the DC movie branding is? Right. It's literally these are things. Not even based on comics, but that have some tangential connection to a comic. Because Joker isn't based on a comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's literally an interpretation of a comic character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not based on any version of that character. In fact, it's specifically not. Right. Right. You know? No, which so, I... so the DC brand is what then? Right. Right. No, I think that's an that's an excellent point because it really does stare down the barrel of one would assume that if, you know, 
Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix came to Marvel Studios and were like, hey, we really want to do an Omega the Unknown movie, but we want to do it our way. You know, They'd be told to sling their hook. Uh, yeah, right? I don't think I, – I think they'd be like mm. – but, but that's just it. That's Omega the Unknown. Like Joker is arguably DC's second highest profile character. Sure. But – you know, So that would be like – Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix going to Marvel and saying, we want to do a Captain America movie. Right. But well, Captain America is shooting up heroin right. in Brooklyn in 1976. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, or or we want to do a movie about, right, the Red Skull, but it's it's going to be a hard-hitting look at white supremacy, you know? and Right, yeah. It, and, you know, he's, it's going to take place today. Yeah. And... You know, he's going to be uh, – we're going to explicitly connect him to the Punisher. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. And I think at that point there's a – there's a you know, I think that Marvel Studios would be like, uh, no. No, we, no. Don't, we don't need that. Yeah. We don't need you to yeah, we, do that. Yeah. We're, we're fine we, here. Yeah, yeah, we have a brand and our brand is not that. Right. But see, DC has this, like, they, they somehow have managed to, in their restructuring, and I mean, it's still a work in progress, but they're simultaneously making it seem like they're getting more focused, but they're also not. They're, you yeah, know. exactly, exactly, yeah. you know, and again, this is something that is both to their benefit and to their detriment. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's going to make the output more interesting, and I think it's just going to confuse the shit out of the audience. Right, right. I I think the Joker movie is going to just utterly confuse people. Mm-hmm. And, and more than anything, I think it's going to utterly confuse people when the Harley Quinn movie comes out. Because I think audiences can understand this is replacing the version that came before. But then the Harley Quinn movie is going to is technically a sequel to Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people are going to be like, wait, but I thought the Joker was like in the 70s now and mm-hmm. like was hanging around with Robert De Niro. Like, how, how is he then? To, like, is he, is, is he Jared Leto again? Right. You know? Yeah. No, I, I personally, I mean, I think that I think that Suicide Squad was actually a really good. I mean, you and I talk, have talked about this, the various DC movies that came out you know, during the attempts that DC was trying to... Was trying to be Marvel. Yeah, was trying to do a DC cinematic universe. And and the results were just a mess. They were all over the block. Like, it was really hard to imagine Suicide Squad, even though it had Batman in it. Like, that just seemed weird. Exactly. How, how, does, yeah, how does this connect with... And, you know, and they look, but literally did. Like, Suicide Squad starts with, like... Superman just died in that film you last just saw. Yeah, like we're all sad about Superman dying, and you're like, okay, because the rest of this film, yeah, <laughs> doesn't seem to take place in the same world as that one at, at all. Exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, at at all. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. It, I I don't I don't envy what mm-hmm. what DC's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's going to be interesting. Yes. <laughs> it, like, it, re- it really is. It's one of these things where, you know, because I think back to, like, in, so when they did the, the PR f- announcing they were getting rid of the imprints, mm-hmm. um, there's a quote from Didio in there that is essentially, 
this is the way we did business up until Vertigo's launch. Mm-hmm. Like, there weren't imprints before Vertigo, which is not true. Right. Like, there were, it's just no one remembers them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Piranha Press was before Vertigo. Mm, right, um, good point. And, and even before that, like, you had things like, the, the, there, was, there was a logo that said, a DC TV comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was, was there before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, did, he made the point. He was like, this is the way the DC did things. And sure enough, it's true. Like, you and I started reading Sandman when Sandman had the DC label. Right. You know, we read Shade and Doom Patrol and Animal Man when they were DC comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, the idea that DC getting rid of the imprints is somehow going to, like, ends, heralds the end of something at DC is not really supported historically. Because Vertigo got started as an offshoot of things that were already happening mm-hmm. under the DC banner, mm-hmm. and so if uh, if DC wants to continue to put out challenging work, there's nothing about just having a DC banner to to stop them doing that. Mm-hmm. Just as if DC wants to keep Vertigo alive as a label mm-hmm. and not put out challenging work, mm-hmm. there's nothing about the Vertigo label. That will automatically make a book challenging. Right, agreed. You know, so it all comes down to the 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 labels, the the imprints are meaningless. It's what do the editors actually want to do, or, or really, what does Warner's want to do with DC? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the important thing. Yeah, I agree. Although I also think that it sometimes you need more than just announcing it to make it so you know and oh sure yeah, we'll no, definitely you've got, see you've, got, yeah. to, you've mm-hmm. got to back it up yeah you know you've got to back it up and honestly much scarier to me than vertical being shut down is the fact that both second coming and safe sex ended up at different publishers mm-hmm. you know that's a warning sign closing vertical down as a label no mm-hmm. like actually dropping the material that you've announced and you've specifically announced as this is proof that we are doing challenging material. Yeah. And then it just, like, I mean, safe sex that wasn't even announced that it went back to the, the creators. It was just suddenly announced in images solicits mm-hmm. as being an image book. Mm-hmm. You know, at least second coming, it, there was actually a big thing out of it leaving vertical. Right. Not for safe sex. Safe sex just didn't ever get solicited from DC and suddenly did get solicited by, by from image. Mm-hmm. Um, that's much more of a that's much more of a a, a warning sign, mm. you know. Um, we'll see what happens. We uh, I've talked to people in DC who um, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying this. There are definitely people in DC who not only do not see this as a bad thing, mm-hmm. but think that this is arguably a good thing in terms of publishing more challenging material. Mm. Um, and so I know the desire inside DC is there. Mm-hmm. It literally comes down to can they do it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's that's quite the that's quite the changing landscape, I guess. Um, oh yeah, this is this has been this has been an interest. It's been an interesting few weeks, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Because uh, of that, and then there is the thing that I I think is an, a legitimate end of an era, the big like mm-hmm. the, the legitimately end of an era news. There's the, the there's the big news of of the Walking Dead ending. Yeah. Um, 
which I mean really is a surprise, you know? Yeah. Not least of which because it solicits a further two issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there's some really interesting stuff going on there, of course. Yeah, there's there's a lot like can I tell you my conspiracy theory right now? Please, and then I'll tell they you mine. Did, they didn't fake cons- solicit the issues at all. They just put all those issues in the last issue and ended it. Yeah, that's what I think as well. Because it's it's seventy odd pages of story. Mm-hmm. Like I I think they just like I think Hickman just decided after the fact to end it and and just like we're like okay so we'll have this big finale instead. But you know it feels like three issues of story. Mm-hmm. Like it's seventy pages. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I, 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 my particular set of conspiracy theories was, were that Kirkman decided to do this sooner than, um, you know, like than he says now that he was, you know, I think that he really was thinking that he would more or less kill off Rick and, and, and sort of try and juice the story and, and see if he could pick things up from there. And then my particular uh, stripe of conspiracy theory is more or less that uh, I think, I think if nothing else, I kind of half think that Charlie Adlard was like, I don't, I don't know. I want to keep doing this. Yeah, (laughs) I think so. I think so. And that was the point where Kirkman's like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to wrap this all up like in a, in a nice tidy little bow. To add to that also the fact that the sales of the book have just genuinely fucking tanked over the last year. Yeah. Not be ignored. Yeah. Cannot. Well, and I I think that's it. Yeah. Legitimately. It it lost like a third of its readership Mm -hmm. in last year Mm -hmm. and, and didn't show any signs of, of, changing and i don't i to this day still do not understand what happened to make all to make sales all of a sudden tank i don't get it at all but but i think i don't think we can ignore that i I honestly think that kirkman maybe it was adlard maybe kirkman just looks at sales figures well no 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 no. how do i put it i feels like a hasty you know this this is this is going to be in trouble soon yeah my theory my theory is is that kirkman saw the figures tank and was like, okay, I'm going to figure out a way to pick this up. I will, I'll kill Rick, which will jump a lot of people back in. Then I can, you know, go, go ahead and do stuff with Carl, bring back Negan, do whatever I want. Like I've got all these other characters in place. And for me, part of it was reading the book. I couldn't understand at the time why everything felt so rushed like the final set arcs of storyline have them discovering the commonwealth which is an area uh that is far closer to the pre-apocalyptic civilization um and so rick and everyone else who discovers this new community they're like oh my god this is great and then the whole idea of the society being stratified into sort of the haves and the have-nots uh, and all this dissent that's fomenting and where Rick's going to place in it. Like, there was just shit that, that Kirkman sped so quickly through, I mean, compared to how he used to do it. Like, I really had this, like, why is he... 
rushing through this. And when it got to the end, uh, you know, Rick's death issue in 192, Kirkman said in interviews, he's like, well, I was definitely, I was thinking of the compendiums which fall in like groups of 48 or whatever. So this was going to be the ending of the last compendium. So I really had to hustle to make this happen. And, uh, you know, so he's all these things are in place. And then, like I said, for one thing, one of the things that he announced, and admittedly it was, you know, in 192, and they, they were clearly playing coy on the letters pages with that, but uh, uh, as to how far they were going to keep going. But they, they did say, they were like, yeah, you know, we're not, it's just going to be Charlie Adlard. He's going to be inking his own work. We're not, you know... You know, we had all this great work by, is it Stefano? Stefano, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I sort of wonder, like, I think part of me was Kirkman was like, okay, so, you know, we just sort of cut our overhead and we kind of keep grinding and we make it happen. And, you know, I I think they got two or three issues in. They were, because, again, there's stuff like, the fact that he's ending it at 193 as opposed to 200, 200 there's just right? so there's so it's much so stuff. Strange. It's it it all looks really sloppy, and for Kirkman to turn around and be like, "Yes, just like I planned all along," I'm like, I "Did it to keep you guessing?" Yeah, but as for why why the book shed readers, I really do think that you know, as I I think I said that when we last discussed 192, I think that that the walking dead showed us how far out you can get with a series in the modern market before sales collapse, where essentially people are like, I just don't want to keep buying this without there being an ending. Like, and I think people essentially decided, you know, five compendiums in or whatever it was that, that at about issue 150, whatever they're like, yeah, I'm done. This is just. Wait, this, but here, here's the crazy anywhere. thing. If you look at sales, sales are fairly steady and actually start rising as it hits to its 15th anniversary issue. Right. It hits 15th anniversary and then immediately sales fall. And it just it literally just goes straight line down from there. Well, it, and that could be was that was that the one where they where he did like fifteen issues or uh, fifteen covers or yeah, hundred and fifty yeah. covers. Yeah, yeah. I wonder and like, and that that just seems to have like completely turned off the fan base because yeah. sales just collapse yep. from that point. Because I, that may well could have been the point at which somebody who was a Walking Dead collector from issue one really didn't have to buy that many things. Like there might've been like one or two variant covers throughout the way or three or four, but nothing real huge. And it was pretty easy to keep on top of the walking dead, but it could well have been that there, that was the point at which a whole bunch of people who had every issue of walking dead were like, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that guy who buys all 15 covers. You know, and at that point, it's a it. You know, as as good old Brian Hibbs always talks about, your jumping on point becomes a jumping off point. You know, and that yeah. I think that that may have been it. I don't know. We'll see. It really is worth breaking down and looking at. Um, you know, I I in in a way, it's both fascinating and heartbreaking because it is a. 
I mean, The Walking Dead was was an extraordinary success in the mm-hmm. comic book marketplace. And then the TV show kicked in and it all seemed to have like what looked like it could have been an, an amazing set, a, a self-sustaining synergy. And I feel, honestly, I feel like somebody should be paying big money to experts to, to just look to do like whatever it takes to figure out reasons as to why that readership just suddenly collapsed. Cause it's, it's the strangest thing to me. It's genuinely the strangest thing. And honestly, I think people need to work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think it's, I think the walking dead in general is a phenomenon that, that anyone who's actually trying to understand the comics industry needs to study. Mm-hmm. Like, why did it hit? Why did it sustain? Because for the longest time, it really did sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then why did it collapse? Because it, it, like the last year, it collapsed. It collapsed everywhere. It collapsed in bookstores and in the direct market. Yeah. And it's the fact that it collapsed in both places at once that's fascinating to me. Yeah. To me like, – Why did it collapse in the direct the bookstore yeah. market at the same time? That's that's why I think maybe it wasn't the, the 15th anniversary covers like – Things were already sort of running on fumes. And like I said, I just suspect that by that point, you know, you can – the. I think part of what really helped with The Walking Dead was you had the single issues, then you had the trades, then you had the compendiums. And I think the compendiums ended up being a seriously smart move because at that point – it's you, a, it's the best selling format. He he said yeah. that in the, the letters page of the last issue. Right, and and I mean, and so, and I mean, apart from it making ridiculous amounts of bank for him, it also to me had that thing of you only needed to have four books to have everything, you know. And I just don't. I I think that that's super important when you are looking at audiences. Uh, I mean, and that's it. That's part of me. Like, that's me with all sorts of assumptions that I've got in my brain. But but essentially, I feel like, you know, it seemed like the com- the North American comics industry had the, the number that sort of Sandman 60 or 65 or so, where it's like, you can get this many trades in, and that's a, that's about what you can do. And I, you know, I mean, clearly that's not the case because something like Fables went much longer than it had originally intended. Yeah, Fables went to one fifty. You know, and and honestly, I think still continued to pick up readers even after it shot past its original, you know, planned conclusion. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I to me, to me, there's there's so much fascinating shit that's going on with The Walking Dead. But to me, especially the fact that Kirkman's like, oh, yeah, no, and it's just over. And like, it- but he's not just it's over. He's very much like I found that that um, mm-hmm. farewell letter astonishingly self-congratulatory. You didn't? No, I did. I totally did. Because it was very much like, I'm doing it as a surprise. None of you saw this coming. That's what right. this book's about. Surprise. Surprise. No, you know, ha ha. Right. And, and part of like, I Especially because, like, I I actually really like seeing Kirkman on stage at conventions. Mm-hmm. Like, I I really do. Mm-hmm. I think Kirkman is an incredibly charming uh, speaker, mm-hmm. and, and part of that is I find him a very honest speaker. Mm-hmm. And 
the idea that he's like, aha, you'll never see this coming, is kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Because part of me was like, I kind of wanted him to be like, you know, I thought I was going here, I actually went here, and part of it is, you know, sales haven't been where I wanted them to be. Right. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, he also can't say that. Right. Because there's going to be a fourth Walking Dead TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the franchise is nowhere near fucking dead. It's just that it's a TV show now. Right. Right. No, I, I agree. And part of me is it's crazy because whatever they had shed. And again, since Beat doesn't run these numbers, I have no okay, idea. They, what They've gone from roughly a steady, let's say like 71 to 74,000. Right. To 48,000. Right. 48,000 is still massive crazy bank for a self-published comic it's so big now admittedly kirkman has built up his own you know bullpen in the sense of he's got editors he's got editorial assistants uh the walking dead had an inker as well as a penciler but still forty-eight thousand is good it's still profitable and very profitable. And so there's just a number of factors there that kind of made it a, a head scratcher. And I think in a, in a way I see why he's kind of saying the things that he is in, you know, it, it does. But I, you know, the chat, the real challenge of course would have been, could he have killed the killed off Rick Grimes and, and kept going. Yeah, and re-brought some. But I honestly think that that, like I said, I think there were other factors back there. And it wouldn't surprise me if Charlie Adlard, who I think is such an incredible key to The Walking Dead success, you know, was kind of like, mm, I've been doing this a while. Are we going to, do we have to keep going? You know. I, I've got to be honest. I'm curious as shit what Adler does next. Much more than what Kirkman does next. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I feel like there was something that was out there, but maybe I'm wrong. Did, wasn't there the, one of his French book projects is finally coming into print? In English or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but that that probably like it's probably something he has been working on for a long time. Like beside no, the Walk Dead, like absolutely. I'm curious what his next book is. No, I agree. I agree. Because I mean, honestly, that's the other thing is, is like how much like does Adlard ever have to work again? One would hope not, and one would hope that he wants to. But like you said, it's fascinating seeing where he's going to go, or even who. How he would get there? Is it something where he wants to do his stuff? Like Adlard has been pretty tight about, you know, tightly involved in some projects. Uh, uh, I should say, you know, there, like you said, there's the French project, there's the uh, war book that he had like co-plotted way back when. I want to say, you know, like he, you know, but part of me is also like, man, if I was if I was DC, I would be trying to get Charlie Adlard onto a book. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, so one hundred percent. Yeah. So what actually does end up happening is is going to be really, really fascinating. Um, but it is. It's also uh, part of me is uh, the, you mentioned the self congratulatory aspect of the letters. For me, it's the it's as everyone has said around the side. 
those that is money and budgets that retailers had to put aside for those issues of walking dead see i said that on twitter and a bunch of people were like it doesn't matter because foc will sort all that out and honestly i don't believe that um well i mean yes i mean the orders are cancelled it's not like the retailers have actually spent money yes right right but you can't tell me that foc is going to give people the chance to really sit down and go, oh, well, I'll just order numbers on, you know, 12 different titles. Right. No, I mean, that's, I, I, it, it is that, that's that thing, right? They don't have the money, but there is a, that, that was 48,000 comics in the current marketplace is pretty big. Like you spread yeah. that across a couple of thousand stores and that's, you know, that's guaranteed money that those retailers are not making. That's money that they have, you know, had committed to the Walking t- Dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I expected to make. Exactly. And now it's like, well, do they just dump that into Batman? Do they put it toward, like you said, there's a lot of planning that has to happen on the fly. And and so for me, the thing that's really funny is I kind of thought that the the there was something like you said, there was a self-glorifying aspect to, to the farewell. And there was a lot of the, Oh yeah, I totally meant to do this. And for me, there's a little bit of the, well, if that's really true, then you kind of don't give a shit about the retailers and the direct marketplace as your quote unquote partners. You know what I mean? Like on the one hand, cause it's like, yeah, I pulled off this big success and surprise, but I mean, you know, the number of people in the number of people in the direct market who didn't have enough orders of The Walking Dead lined up in the first place of issue 193 or 192. Uh, and then on top of that, it, you know, had put aside money for issues that aren't going to arrive that they then have to throw into. It's it's it to me, it's not the best look of someone who wants I, to <laughs> I, so I I made an argument like this privately to someone right who was who was a big fan of this move, mm-hmm. and their response was essentially yeah but he gave people free issues of die die die. Yeah, but part of me is I like mean, it's a, it's a give and take, and I don't think that really stands up as an argument. Well, I mean, maybe if Die, Die, Die had turned into the next yes, Walking had, Dead. Yes, had sold Walking Dead numbers, exactly. Because yeah, yeah. it's, it's, there's a difference to me between giving people freebies of your new book mm-hmm. and taking sales away from people. Right, right. No, it's it's one thing if it's like, oh, hey, here's a new sort of untested thing. See if you can sell it in the marketplace. And you know, here's what would have may well be one of your top 10 selling books in your store. Um, You're not going to have that anymore. And you're not getting any real time to plan for that. Like that's, that's just, Uh, aren't we, aren't we? Cause it's not just like taking it away. It's also the taking it away and then being like, aren't we clever? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or does the shock. Exactly. And it's like, it's one of these things though. They couldn't have sold retailers because then everyone would have known. No. You know, like we live in a reality where there are literally retailer-specific meetings Mm -hmm. that people are told, you know, very clearly, this is just for retailers. This should not get out. And people fucking live-tweet it or send it to Richard. Oh, completely. The instant they walk out the door. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've got to be honest. 
the fact that Rich gets his stuff from Dennis Barger, who is not actually a retailer anymore, is insane to me. Oh, really? Wow. Like, insane to me. Mm. That, like, why aren't Diamond actually banning him from these meetings, knowing that he's breaking the embargo and also that he's not a retailer? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, that's really, it's a hell of a good question. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the whole, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just a whole thing. Like here. Okay. Here's the thing. You like the walking dead. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the boot being over? Like a, a stunt aside, right? Right. Like put, put all of that aside. How do you as a reader feel about the book being over? Uh, well, see, I think this is the thing that's uh, to me a little problematic in that, uh, the last, that last arc I thought was handled pretty poorly. So it's not like I'm like, well, they went out on a high note, you know, it felt kind of rushed and, and sped through. And I had a, a little certain amount of hope that the walking dead continuing after Rick's death would, would recharge it. Yeah. Would, would I remember you said that when, yeah, we, when he died. Exactly. So the fact that it's suddenly over and then we get this, that, that final issue, which as you point out is like a three issue thing. Uh, you know, honestly, I, you know, I, part of me is, uh, it, it made me realize how much, the walking dead was a little bit for me. Like I read it. I really did read it every month. It was a, when it, it's like I had the digital subscription to it. I had a digital subscription and I was still getting hard copies from Hibs. So, you know, and I, I read the motherfucking thing at a certain point. It became a book that for me and I think this is the part that's ironic. I was like, there's still a lot of places to go with it. And, and so the fact that it's now dead is I had a, I had a moment of like, Oh, how much of the the comic book that I was reading was waiting in anticipation for the comic book that I, you know, that I was waiting for rather than what I was actually getting. Like the, the, the first, I don't know, hundred issues of Walking Dead, I thought worked pretty well. And I appreciated how much, uh, Kirkman tried to sort of keep changing things up while keeping a tone and keeping this sort of, well, we are growing and getting closer to civilization, um, you know, I think one of the things that, and and this is this is part of the problem, is is that uh, Kirkman moved to from this idea of like the survivalist apocalypse horror to like, okay, we're rebuilding our society. Kirkman did not have a lot of facility with that. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that really struck me is by the time you get to the Commonwealth, like Kirkman has it set up as like, oh, there's cafes and there's law firms. And, you know, the people who go there end up being more or less recruited into an elite if they have skills that the elite deem necessary. And so... 
uh, Michonne, who is a, was a lawyer in her previous life, she goes to the Commonwealth, finds out that her daughter's alive. And the governor who is heading up the Commonwealth finds out that Michonne was a successful corporate lawyer and was like, oh, we really need you here. Like, this is going to be great for you. So they set her up as this successful lawyer. And so she gets a big apartment and she gets this big structure. Meanwhile, there's like cafes and things. And the people working in the cafes are people who worked in the cafes before and they don't get as many privileges. And one of the things that makes no sense is there's there's no money. There's no anything. Kirkman's whole, he's trying to build a story about elites and especially kind of try and talk about what's happening in America, you know, in terms of the haves and the have nots, because the city is, you know, this Commonwealth is incredibly divided across these class lines. And yet there's no demarcation point for it. So it's, it's, it's basically weird, bad, floppy storytelling. It's one thing when you've got like two dozen people, uh, out in basically on the camping trip from hell. Like all of us have sort of had that experience and then you just throw in some zombies, but you don't have to really figure out about like, oh, who makes, you know, who's going to fetch the well water, who's going to be cooking. And, you know, um, Kirkman had sort of slowly built himself up to this, like, okay, society's built itself. Rick has managed to come up with a situation where you have these little fiefdoms basically and everyone is more or less uh you know a servant but there is no upper class then you go to the situation of the commonwealth where it's like oh this is great like finally i can get a peppermint latte again but i have to deal with you know crushing inequality is a, a thematically interesting take for me but because kirkman has no sense and honestly no interest in figuring out how government actually works you know it just didn't make any sense like i was sitting there being like when they say michonne's like oh yeah it's very important that you're a lawyer now i'm like why there's no corporations there's no real estate transfers like and if there is what are people why why would they be doing that with you know it was this weird thing of um kirkman had gotten as far like the fantasy that we all had of oh god let's just get away from uh, essentially government you know and yeah. and then you know had gotten to that stage of well how do you build it back up i you know that i'm a big fan of stephen king's the stand and the stand is I feel as much an influence, if not more, than Romero's um, uh, zombie movies on The Walking Dead because so much of it is about taking this cast of diverse cast of characters, playing out the soap opera stuff, and also the how do they rebuild civilization? Like that's sort of this inherently dramatic hook, and uh, you know. It it's very it's it's the part in the stand that I enjoy the most, but it also got to a point where even King's like, I can only really go so far with it, and then I more or less have to blow it up. And part of that yeah. is because 
he he himself thought that it was getting ridiculously tedious, but also at a certain point, like, you know, our our fantasies that we know what would be best for our society really are just fantasies. And you can only get them so far out there. And unless you are somebody who was like a, you know, a hardcore sociology, sociopolitical major who decided to craft an entire book that's going to explain it, as some people have, uh, generally that sort of stuff can only go so far before hand-waving kicks in. So, yeah, The Walking Dead, part of me is like, I'm bummed that it's ended. And, of course, there's part of me that's like, yeah, it probably did go on 30 or 40 issues. Yeah. Yeah, too long. If nothing else, I feel like Kirkman... By the time of that last arc, he's like, I, uh, he's, it, there's such, such ambition of here's stuff that I want to say. Like I really do, you know, as we always kind of get to with this uh, zombie story, it's like, here's our chance to really reflect on society and, and where, what's happening in our culture. And Kirkman just kind of made a, it, it felt like half a pass. Honestly, everything in that last arc felt like a rough draft for what would pop up on the TV show like three or four seasons from now. You know? I've got a really strange question. Um, we're, this is like diving deep in spoiler territory. So sorry, everyone who, who's yeah. following the book and trades and hasn't read it and you should skip ahead. Right. The way he ends the book, mm-hmm. and I say this as someone who isn't reading it, mm-hmm. the way he ends the book feels almost insulting (laughs) (laughs) to like just flash forward and be like we've taken care of that zombie problem right with no explanation and no like it it genuinely does feel very very strange um to just you know, this thing that has been a problem for essentially 200 issues, we solved, but we're not going to tell you about that. Well, okay. I see your point and your sort of frustration with that, but really early on, and I mean, and this this does hold true with the zombie movie template is, you know, Night of the Living Dead aside, or even actually including the very ending of Night of the Living Dead. The zombie movies are all about the zombies are one problem, but it's really other people that are the other that are the main problem. I I get that. And I get that. Honestly, no one really wants to know what caused the zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's more the ideas that for just to there seems something trolly about the flash forward being, and then we solved it. Moving on, let me tell you a happy story about you know the good old days that doesn't touch on the anything other than I don't. It feels very much like a Star Trek series finale, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No. Where like you know they do the flash forward and they're mm-hmm. like, 
you know, but everything was fine. And, you know, we probably beat the Borg or something. And you're like, yeah, but that's the story I wanted to hear about. Like, I don't give a shit about your other flashback story. Well, okay. And I don't, I also don't give a shit about like your flash forward. Right. You know, like it's, it feels unearned and, and, to utterly, I don't know. There really is something about just being like, we cured zombies, everyone. Mm-hmm. That feels really trolly after two hundred issues of it. Uh, I think, with all due respect, Graham, I just think that that's because you're not reading the other no, no. batches yeah. of stories. Well, that, yeah, that's just it. Like, I, 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 you know, I preface that as someone is not reading the book as right. on purpose. Right. So you know, yeah, there's nuance I'm missing, and I know that. Well, it's it's not so much hmm, it's not so much nuance. It's just at a very early point, Kirkman decided to double down on uh, the idea that it's the it's the remaining pockets of humanity where the real danger is, and the well, sure, zombies no, are no. kind of an element. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, yeah, really, like, you know, we are technically thing is early really, on. Really clear. Yeah, right? exactly. I had like the first sixty or seventy issues of the book. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I just wanted to make sure because it. Because as it continues on, the idea of the zombies, they taper off. They're a little bit more of a natural disaster kind of element. Like if you were like telling a story set in, you know, a volcanic ridden uh, on a volcano, active volcano island or something like that. It's like they happen, but what really happened? So... I think in the end, when it's kind of like, yeah, the the dead more or less all die out, essentially, and they're all really rare, I feel like is a real logical extension of where Kirkman was going with the universe. And Kirkman himself was very much like, yeah, we're going to have we're going to have a focus on you know, the characters and the character interactions. And that's what that last 71 page issue is. And yet for me, the part that is boring about it, what that's kind of stank about the last issue is it's not, it's not really interesting. I mean, there's a lot, there's a certain amount of um, Kirkman tries to juice every three pages with, Oh, you think X, but why? You know, and it's like, oh, you think why? But Z. And so by the time you get to the end of it, though, like there's no I didn't I read those issues with absolutely nothing approaching a sense of drama or, you know, there was no it just kind of played out. It it was it was it was a victory lap of a last issue, which for the most part, one could say that he earned. But in terms of people who are like, well, that was a fitting closing. I'm like, Ugh, I guess. I mean, the 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 so much of it, by the time you get to the end, which is, you know, uh, to go heavy, heavy into the spoiler territory, it's Carl, Rick Grimes' son, reading a bedtime story to his daughter about about the times they just all went through and the idea that this is now they it's 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 become so safe that it's just a little bedtime story that they can read about and take a um a, a helpful moralistic thing for it's it just all feels unearned like at a certain point the amount of blow jobbery that was given to Rick Grimes as being like the absolute 
best leader of all time everything. Like, there's a lot of really weird stuff going on in, throughout The Walking Dead. And I would say that one of the most interesting things is watching how Kirkman goes from being a nobody to being a guy who's in charge of a quote-unquote entertainment empire. And it reminded me a little bit of when Joss Whedon came out with uh, Firefly on TV, or even before that, the series, the, the final two or three seasons of Buffy, where suddenly Buffy becomes ridiculously um, both self-congratulatory and very quick to smack people down, being like, I'm the boss and nobody understands what that's like, you know, or in Firefly, mm-hmm. like there's, there's always the scene where M- Malcolm's like, you guys don't understand like this is, you know, we're, we're right on the razor's edge of oblivion. We got to we got to do this or we starve and die and nobody has any right to judge me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Similarly, The Walking Dead just begins this process of turning, you know, uh basically taking a a Georgian sheriff into a bearded messiah sort of the same way that Kirkman goes from being like a Georgian nobody into, you know, a bearded entertainment pro, you know, whose whose savviness helped build a, this this empire. And and so it just gets it gets really again, it's a bad adjective, but just so blowjobby about Rick Grimes and there's not much of a there could be a point to it and and there's times in which Kirkman throughout the course of the Walking Dead circles around uh, I I think a very deeply American um ambivalence about the the powerful the myth of the powerful leader you know, like on the one hand, as Americans, we always want to buy into that myth. And yet at the same time, we're also a little bit of a, hey, fuck you, we're Americans. I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Nobody tells me what to do kind of myth as well. And so there's a lot of that constantly moving through The Walking Dead up to a point. And, and there was a point at which... And as things started to close down, where all of a sudden, um, all of the talk of like, oh, Rick Grimes, you are the best guy and you saved us and, and civilization would not exist if it wasn't for you making the hard choices to, you know, and mirroring that with him, like shooting somebody dead, you know, that maybe wasn't or taking mercy on essentially the Walking Dead equivalent of Hitler, you know, and it's you know that ambivalence and at a certain point for the last you know 30 issues or so he just gives up on it and is like this guy's the greatest guy since anyone and oh god he's dead but it's okay because because of his sacrifices civilization gets to live again the end you know is that's i mean i don't think that that is kirkman trying to troll anybody it's just such a deeply uninteresting place to end it that makes me think like whatever he when in the back of his brain when he was thinking like yeah this is how i'm gonna i'm gonna end it with rick's death and and you know it's 
it, Carl is really well set up to become the new, the next guy, the person who has to deal with all the baggage of struggling under, you know, the dad that everyone thinks is a savior while he himself is just a, a fuck up. And instead Kirkman's like, eh, you know, but it's okay. Cause everyone loves Carl too. Cause everyone loves Rick and everyone loves this book, which is why we're all so sad that it's gone. You know, the end surprise, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but I, you know, I mean, it's not, I, I'm surprised that I'm not going to have the walking dead in coming into my inbox anymore. But part of me is sort of relieved. <laughs> I, I guess they managed to save you. Jeff. <laughs> I, I think that ultimately it's not so much that I'm, it's not that I'm relieved that it's over, but I'm not disappointed that it's over, if you see where mm -hmm. I'm going. So, yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah. Um, pivoting off this slightly, I mentioned before, like, uh, there's only one image book, now The Walking Dead is over, that sells more than 20,000 a month. Yes. It, in the North American market, like, add in international markets, I have no fucking idea. Right. Like, I, I honestly believe that the European market for, like, a Kieran Gillen book is potentially even... Do, like as much as the North American market for yeah, Kieran Gillen. That would make sense. Um, but in the North American market, if we were to believe sales estimates from from like Comicron or ICP2, mm -hmm. uh, Spawn is the only other image book that sells over 20k. Right. On on a, on a regular basis, I should say, like first mm -hmm. issues can go anywhere. Right. Um, that's not good for image. Well, so so here's like. The, I mean, it's also not bad because right. the image structure right. can allow them to, to to sell whatever, right? As long yeah. as the creators are willing to put up with it, yep. it can allow them to sell whatever. Right. But it also strikes me as like for image to be relevant, like it needs a hit, right? It needs a saga or it needs a Walking Dead mm -hmm. for it to seem like a uh not only a viable indie publisher mm -hmm. but a destination indie publisher mm -hmm. and it feels as if the walking dead ending like takes away the second support structure after saga ending last year oh believe me the fact ending, that yeah yeah exactly the fact that saga went on hiatus and then uh walking dead is over suddenly is this big demolition to uh, an, a, a certain phase of image that honestly, again, this tends to happen a little bit cyclically with image. Image has so much, is such lower overhead in certain ways, as long as they manage to just keep publishing enough titles that they keep their, you know, diamond premiere publisher status they get a lot of breaks and I think that's then they just go back to biding their time until their next big hit happens to be, you know, right. um, but it, it, it feels cause here's the thing. Like saga at its height was still selling less than, than walking dead did. Yes. No, no, no. But they, they were both interesting enough, interesting enough, only, only in direct market. Yeah. I should say like in, in books or saga was, I was selling walking dead. Right. Um, but 
you know, you look at, for example, if someone said to you now, like, you know, what's the biggest image book? Mm-hmm. What would you say? Because uh, I would say I would say monstrous, and monstrous is selling terribly. Is it in the direct market? Oh man, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like selling less than three thousand copies. Apparently, oh no, I had no idea. Really, that's terrible. Shit. Uh, well, okay, so I mean, here's the thing, Graham. I think that the the interesting thing about images is it's closer to being something like a traditional book publisher. You know, in the sense of yeah. You know, you can turn around and be like, oh, what the hell is Doubleday selling? Or, you know what I mean? Like, unless you've got something like, I don't know, maybe Scholastic, uh, the the fact is big, big uh, tentpole publications end all the time. You know, the thing is... is yeah, no, no you, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Do, do you have a model that allows... The company for another hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I should say, I should say, I literally just looked at my notes um, for a THR thing I did. Much of since less than thirteen thousand, not less than three thousand. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, because I was like, because that's a significant difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't. I think that the marketplace uh, may change, and I feel like image is not in a bad position to change with it one would hope um you know because i feel like image had the if they keep just keep publishing enough stuff maybe it'll be something like you know amulet that will hit or if they end up like did you see the the pr that went out um on july 4th no i did they would put a pr uh july 4th teasing a comic-con announcement Mm. Which is a new book from Charles Sewell, Scott Snyder, and Giuseppe Camoncoli. Oh, right, the America after America or whatever. Yeah, thir- thirty years ago, the United States sealed itself off from the world without warning. Now the gates have finally opened, and an expedition has been launched to see what lies beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, which very much feels like a, you know, a book that sees itself as like being the next big thing, but be uh, the way that that was sent out this week. Mm-hmm. Ahead of Comic Con, if it's a Comic Con announcement, right. feels very much like a response to people being like, "Well, image is fucked." Yeah, no, I think so. You know, like right. them being like, "We're not, though." Excuse yeah. me, we're not. Right. Um, and just earlier today, actually, I got another email from Image where the subject line is literally "Is Coffin Bound the Net Sandman?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they are, you know, aggressively pushing mm-hmm. uh, against the idea that you know that the image has seen better days. But if you look at the sales figures, image has seen better days. Oh, like absolutely! It, yeah, it, I'm, I was genuinely shocked to see that Spawn's the only book selling over twenty thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, and I think I think I think the comic book marketplace is is still in. You know, you and I had uh, foretold doom for the comic book marketplace in was it twenty eighteen, and it never did. It didn't quite hit the way that we thought it would. But the marketplace is still in an incredibly shaky place. That is. That's not great. I, I'm less worried about image, and I'm more worried about the direct marketplace. But you know, for someone like me who has always believed that Tom King's long game is to build, turn himself into enough of a mega name that he can jump and put out comics at image and not have to worry about 
you know, editorial folder role, you know, I think as long as image manages to keep certain things intact, they're going to be attractive for um, a certain class of creator. That's like, I built my name up in the marketplace. Now let's see if I can, can really reap the benefits from that, you know? And I, and I still feel that's a model and looking at, that announcement from Charles Sewell and Scott Snyder is like, yeah, that's still going to be a little bit of the case, even if just the number of names on that are like, Ugh, it sounds like a shared universe anthology book kind of thing. That may what do you not... think? It's it, no, it sounds to me like a book that like both of them came up with one day at a convention, and neither of them really had the time to to write. Some yeah. Book. Right, you know, it's just you like, know, like oh, it sounds like a book that they're going to have a lot of fun writing because it's going to mean lots of fun emails between each other. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so, so I don't, I, I'm not really sure. I think Image is set up in a way, kind of like the direct marketplace, in that it is, uh. In the way that it functions, it is it is going to be able to survive for quite a long time. Whether or not that actually means that it's in any kind of shape to build another hit, you know, or sustain another hit, I, I don't know. Because again, I feel whatever the benefits and the strengths are, The Walking Dead did close to 200 issues and did a lot of them very close to a monthly basis and at certain points did it you know uh uh every other week you know published fortnightly through summer events and things like that it was a book that for the most part especially after the first couple of years came out when it said it was going to come out and i think that that is such a huge factor and when you and and i just feel as you and i as you know that Graham, this is very much my big talking point of image doesn't really have a lot of they're they're not they're not a they're not really an editorial bullpen in the same way that DC or Marvel. No, not are, not, you not know? at all. I mean yeah. purposely not, yeah. Exactly. And so on the one hand, that puts them they're very easy, they're able to snake by with whatever they snake by on, but but the but the flip side of that is is that there's there's nothing in place to help guide people to develop or keep their best practices you know it's like the closest you see to that is i guess something like Kirkman's skybound where he was you know taking a a chunk of the rights or whatever the rights deal was um the people who are producing for him are you know getting money paid up front to to work on these things and you look at the stuff like oblivion song where it's like kirkman and his artists worked like you know had put a huge number of issues in the can yeah did, they didn't, didn't they do like the first storyline before they published yeah i think that was at the very least at the very least, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I want to say like the more like sent like the first trade to retailers before publishing the first issue. That's right. They had the first to be trade. Like, yeah. This is real. Like this is yep. we're not just going to stop. Yep, exactly. And he's like, we've got you know, here's the full arc. We've got like the next twelve issues in the can already. Even so, you know, and that's to me that's really 
that's that that's a great sign. I mean, clearly it didn't necessarily work for Oblivion Song unless I'm missing something. I'm assuming its sales are not especially high, but you know, but at least there's some groundwork there. I don't know. So for myself, I, I'm really I'll be curious to see how what what image it wouldn't surprise me if image is sort of taking some of the stuff that it was saving for the for, for comic-con and being like yeah let's let's kind of get this out here now so that people aren't just thinking that image is we're in know, trouble yeah that we're in trouble you know because because i, I, think I am further from that yeah i am fascinated like genuinely fascinated that we're uh comic-con is a week and a half away as we record yeah and I feel like we're heading into it, and both DC and, and Image have like a story out there that they're in trouble, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that feels unusual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels unusual that two of you know the three major publishers, right, like look unhealthy and look unstable. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that neither of those publishers are Marvel. <laughs> right? No, I mean that that is it's it's. Deeply odd. Well, actually, isn't there also a thing of uh, DC's table situations different at Comic Con this year? Right? DC DC does not have a DC booth. Right, right. DC has a, a DC Warner Brothers shared booth, which is actually up by Artist Alley, wow. interestingly enough. Huh. Um, but it's massive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it actually looks like the DC booth has literally just been added on to the Warner Brothers booth. Right. Just judging by the floor plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. It's, it's a weird year for DC. Uh, they're not doing the press breakfast this year either. Wow. But they are doing like this pop-up Batman thing, which is insane. Oh, right. The Batman experience or whatever that yeah. they started promoting. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, I mean, it's three floors of a building, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, which is it's just nuts. Well, like you said, it sort of makes sense that that's that. I guess that's step one in there. Like, let's associate, make sure people associate Batman and DC. Yeah, let's let's make sure people know that we are we are the people who own yeah, Batman. Batman yeah. is we're going to do a mega Batman experience, and we're going to have our branding all over it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's strange. And I forget, is Image also having a reduced footprint in the show, or was that some other not, publisher I was thinking of? Not that I can see. Okay, okay. I mean, well, to be honest, like I'm, I'm looking at the floor plan, and I can't really estimate. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you after the show, <laughs> basically. Um, right. I think it's going to be a really interesting Comic-Con for that. The, as we record, three days of the schedule has been put out, uh-huh. and it feels like there are less publisher panels with the exception of dc dc has like 47 panels jeff good grief wow but like marvel has like 10 well but marvel's always had an incredibly light showing at comic-con hasn't it yeah but i'm like that feels like significantly lighter than normal mm-hmm. it's actually not it looks back to check like last year they were really light as well um but like you know Marvel has 10 and DC is almost 50, which I think right. says a lot. And, and not just that DC is local. Uh, well, no, although it does help. And, and certainly, yes, exactly. yeah. And, and sure enough, like in New York Comic Con, like Marvel's more than DC. Exactly. Uh, but still, like that magnitude of difference is, is, feels like a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like a really odd programming slate. 
like they've done Thursday, Friday, Saturdays mm-hmm. scheduling. And you know, unless something dramatic has changed, nothing really happens on Sunday. So mm-hmm. we've basically seen like the big days of the the show, mm-hmm. um, and it does. It feels like a really odd slate this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what the show is like. It's 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 honestly one that I'm like, huh, this is. This is weird. But, like, for example, Marvel has 10. Like, 2080 is four panels by itself. Wow. Yeah, you know? right. And, and you know, everyone here knows I love 2080, but still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I definitely feel that 2080 works a lot harder to act like a real publisher and put real promotion and marketing behind their their marketing and their promotion, you know? Marvel yeah. is really, I just, they're, I don't even get me started on how odd, oddly their, their concepts of marketing and promotion. Oh work. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like who, who even understands anymore? Like legitimately who even understands anymore? Yeah. Uh, I, I reached out to them, uh, I guess two weeks ago, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it was like, you know, What's actually happening with the Kirkman book? Uh, not the Kirkman, the Jonathan Hickman X Men books, right? In terms of promotion, like what are you doing? Like these are these are your big books. The, mm-hmm. These are these are the ones that you're re- like you really are getting behind. You're doing heavy promotion on. What's happening in terms of press, right? Um, and also, can I see a copy of the book? Like, can you send me a PDF? Mm-hmm. And they were basically like, eh, you know, we're probably going to do some something at San Diego. And I was kind of like, I don't know how much of this is like, you guys just don't like me, or how much of this is right. you guys aren't doing anything beyond that. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it... Because it, either option is possible, Jeff. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Exactly. Either option is possible, or it could be some combination of both. And I think that's, that is the the... One of the things that is the the North American comics industry manages to make a lot of money thanks to the way the direct market is set up, but it is completely spoiled in terms of so much other media spends so much on marketing and promotion. And for whatever reason, the comics industry is just not going to do that. But when you, when you look at a, like, and I, I think, you know, you know this better than I do since, you know, all the outlets you work for. But I feel like the the usual rule of thumb is for a big summer event movie, the marketing budget is about the same as whatever the budget is for the movie. It, it depends on the movie and honestly it depends on how big the movie is. It, it's, I'm, I'm not sure it's a, a straight like. 50-50. No, it's not 50-50. But, but it's it's definitely like they spend a significant amount of money on marketing. Right. So sure. yeah. yeah, maybe maybe the money it maybe it's a 200 million dollar movie and they only spend 100 million on the marketing of it, but that's one of those things that gets super complicated into talking about like why these movies can make 600 million and still be considered and still a flop. make no yeah, still yeah. officially not make any money yeah exactly because the global budget for it so i mean you know the, the amount of money that i feel that that the industry spends to really promote this stuff again it kind of gets back to a little bit it is interesting how much this episode is about 
perception in, of the yeah. industry, yeah. you know, all the way across the board, you know, from from what DC says to what Robert Kirkman says to what Marvel will or won't do. And yet it it's it it, it all feels like such tempest in a teapot because, you know, because because there's no way that DC is going to turn around and spend. $50 million to make sure that people know that Batman is a DC property, you know, like they'll figure you out think... ways to combine. They'll figure out ways to combine uh, piggyback with different uh, others, you know, Warner brothers properties like the Batman VR experience or various other things. They might spend Two million, three million, which seems like a lot, a lot to the comics industry. But, but it's, but it's really, it's really not, you know, like I, I just feel like it, which again is, I think, part of the reason why it's so absurdly easy with, you know, with the last issue of The Walking Dead, I started searching on the phrase Walking Dead, you know, on Twitter and, yeah, there was how much of us about the TV show? Yeah, like seventy to eighty percent, seventy mm-hmm. to eighty percent, like twenty percent of it was at at best was about Kirkman's final issue, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure, of course, you saw the that great CNN headline that you know. Oh, the one that was Marvel brand. This is Marvel ending The Walking Dead. Like, no, it was the LA Times this time. Oh, was it the LA because, Times? Okay, no, I tell a lie. It was CNN. This it, was time. CNN. it was the LA Times. Yeah. When, it was the LA Times who said that Marvel was closing Vertical. <laughs> right. See, I mean, that's just that. That is the the everyone's like, oh, but it's Marvel. Like, I remember you sort of being like, what the fuck is that Marvel doing promoting their stupid Marvel zombies thing right after Kirkman? You know, the still walking or whatever. Like the it, it, the, the email was uh, the dead will walk again. Yes, released the day of the Walking Dead that last issue. Yeah, well, um, and it was because uh, they're relaunching Marvel zombies. But here's the thing: they're not relaunching that. Or I mean, to get me wrong, the tagline is clearly a Walking Dead reference. Mm-hmm. But based on timing, they're doing that because deceased is massive for DC. Sure, sure, absolutely. No, no, no. I mean, they were play. I mean, they've they've as you know, like the there's a ridiculously high number of Marvel Zombies miniseries and issues. It's not surprising they brought it back. They just figured out the right way to to tweak the nipples that some confused CNN person was like, oh, okay, let's run this story. <laughs> they're closing their walking dead but they're bringing back the marvel zombies it makes sense you know uh yeah no it's it's just it's it's i don't know it, it marvel is going to continue to be fuckers dc is going to continue to flail around and image will go back like like you know into its uh is, is image is image by which i mean like the publishing company image mm-hmm is it small enough and puts so little financial risk on itself that it can basically survive if like everything else fails? Like, I, it's image of the cockroach of comics, Jeff. Yes, I would say that it is because for a long time, like I said, all they needed to do was publish enough books, publish enough stuff every month to be able to keep like ridiculous amounts of of their benefits. 
there's still there's I assume they're still getting some kind of cut from Kirkman's, you know, like the published the Walking Dead publishing empire has collapsed. But, you know, before it was a juggernaut. Now it's just it's going to continue to kick them for a while. Like collapsed is is really a relative term when you yes. consider that after it's like after losing a third of its readership in a year it is still more than twice like outselling by a factor of three the majority of image books yeah exactly so i mean there's a lot of money that's filtering in there and i would assume kirkman as partner means that he's got some sort of money that he accounts for or puts back into the pot or however the hell it happens but, uh, you know, so, but I would definitely think that they could get by for, I don't know, two or three years. But whether or not they're able to launch another hit, like they, they can create the environment that allows that to happen, is, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see. Let's put it that way. You know, because part of that really depends on where is the direct marketplace going to be in two to three years, you know? And there may be ways that if if the marketplace is in super bad shape, Image may not be able to 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 launch a new book because because retailers have to throw so much money into DC and Marvel, you know, and their budgets are so tight they just can't maneuver outside those budgets to spare for the next walking dead or whatever, you know, on the other hand, the marketplace could be in a better place, a much better place such that when image comes out with its next version of the walking dead, again, the marketplace also kind of doesn't have much of an interest in like seeing what the cockroach has to offer up this time, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think, I think image is in a much better place than, a bunch of other comic publishers that are still out there publishing in the market because they are of they're a collective as opposed to, you know, uh, an IP farm that's expected to, to pump. Stuff yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. And, and again, they like images company, puts so little financial risk out there. Yeah, exactly. So like financial risk is on the creators. Yeah. So, Sure, they just need honestly. It sounds terrible, but they just need enough gullible marks, and they'll be fine. Right, and and that's and fortunately, that's exactly how the business end of the comics industry uh, is run. So they should be fine for a good long time to come. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a very weird time. I feel like there was some other comic stuff that I so wanted to talk about too. I mean, apart from news, I'm like, wow, I didn't even get a chance to complain about books or talk about Spider-Man Far From Home or any of that. I still haven't seen it. Really? I'm kind of – I want to say I'm shocked, but I guess I'm not. This week has just been nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, if it hadn't opened on a Tuesday, Mm -hmm. uh, because I had to do five days of work and three days this week. And so like if I I hadn't opened on Tuesday, I probably would have seen it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we managed to, I mean, because we just had this ridiculously long weekend, it was like, oh, I guess we can go see this noon on the 4th of July. What's it going to matter? And uh, it was fun. I, I have to say I really enjoyed it. But but I also had a whole like, oh, boy, we got a lot to talk about, you know, 
there's, there's image, you know, there's DC, there's the walkie dead CC publication and there's this very odd Spider-Man movie. So, but, uh, we can talk about it after you see it. So yeah, yeah. let's talk about it in, in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. In a couple of weeks. Well, we're doing drop next week. Right. Right. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. <laughs> Always exciting because it's good stuff to read, and I, I even I even read some some dread this last week. But but I'm always I'm never at that stage of like I really have to do the okay I should be halfway through the case file by the week before we record the next rock, and it never happens that way, which just means it's going to be this crazy ass sprint of of me wild-eyed tearing through this stuff um that's that's the way it works what what is the other comic thing i'm i i like i'm genuinely like what else has happened this week right i feel like i feel like there's got to be some other stuff but i just don't remember of course the kirkman thing's such a big deal um it is we kind of blanked everything else out around it i feel yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, people who who like hearing what's going on with the industry, I'll throw a link in the show notes. But you know, uh, Deb Aoki has been live tweeting from Anime Expo. Yeah. So so Deb, I, I like we're print record and I'm looking at Twitter and Deb has this tweet where she's like announcing the new series. Yes. From Kodansha. Yes. And there was one that I was like. This is, uh, this is like almost a parody of the stereotype that like you know there's so much manga that it's just like per every fan service. Uh huh. Because it's called the Slime Diaries. That time I got reincarnated as slime. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. There's all as you know. There's that whole success of light novels some of which are being turned into manga and or anime that all have like strong rpg titles so it's like you know would you still love me if i was a level two barbarian that could only cook omelets you know like just stuff like that that's you know the slime diaries at that time i got reincarnated as a slime i love that yeah so so, and honestly it really does just feel like this amazingly like fetishistic thing that i love (laughs) which reminds me when we did um the questions there was one time where i was like i don't think there's as many like fan service tropes in manga as as the question the question of things i am and someone and i can't remember who and i didn't look it up and i should have left a great comment that's more or less like Graham saying that is more or less someone saying I don't read many superhero comics, but I've heard The Watchmen is pretty good. <laughs> I, Jeff, I like that cut me to the quick so much that I was like seconds away from emailing you and being like, let's just quit the podcast now. I can never show my face in public ever again. <laughs> like that was that was I I I'm sorry for not looking up, but whoever left that comment, that was so great, and I was so like utterly humiliated that I wanted to have to tape. It was like, well done, my hat is off to you. Indeed. And now I, I like I'm sorry, this is the last it's just like The Walking Dead, this is the last episode. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Catch you later. That's right. We 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 probably would be well primed considering we just did like the four hundredth episode and it's like episode four hundred and one. We're like, well, this is it for us. Goodbye. Catch later. Also, I love that we now have like our own Marvel Legacy numbering. 
Oh yeah, because this this is going to go up as episode what? It's not going to be it's going to be episode two hundred and something, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's actually the four hundred first episode of the podcast. I know, I know. We're we just terrible. What terrible. is it going to be? It's going to go. It's going to officially be episode two seven four. Yeah, two seven four. But it is really episode four hundred one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Marvel LGC or LGY. <laughs> That should be the name of the episode. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I will write that down. That actually sounds like that would be an excellent episode name. Uh, Yeah. So, so, right. So, following Deb Aoki's stuff at Anime Expo has been pretty interesting and great uh, for me because I'm like, ooh, there's all kinds of cool stuff. And, I mean – I feel like her Twitter feed is always filled with cool stuff anyway. Yeah, but... honestly, like if if you are interested in or honestly not interested in but just curious about mm-hmm. manga, like Deb's feed is, is ridiculously educational. Yeah, I think so too. Just great. And uh, several days back when the expo started, she attended this talk that had a um, – a white paper about the state of manga in North America. And that was pretty interesting because that went down and tracked all the major publishers, manga publishers, and talked about their most successful books published in the U.S. and things like that. So that was, I don't remember there was much that really stuck out in my brain kind of about that, but it's just, there's, so much really fun. Plus, uh, I didn't realize for those people with Amazon Prime, starting July 8th, the anime of uh, Vinland Saga is starting up uh, there. So, Oh, that's interesting. I know. I only found that out about half an hour before we started recording. I was like, I wanted to mention that to people. I, as everyone knows, tend to prefer the manga to the anime uh, of anything. Like, I won't... If I like something in, in a manga, I don't really see much need to search it out anime-wise. But if you feel differently, go check that out. Because, as you know, you've heard Graham and I talking about it. Uh, I also, on a related note, ended up spending some money on The Right Way to Make Jump by uh, Takeshi uh, Sakurai, which Viz published as a collection uh, this, I want to say this week, but I think it was actually two weeks ago. And it it's a nonfiction manga about how uh, Jump is published in Japan every month. It could have been – I was kind of hoping that it would be sort of a – something like our – that wonderful manga in theory and practice book or even something like Bakuman, which is – you know, which was a fictionalized mm-hmm. approach of two cartoonists um, drawing for Jump. It's very much a, um, it's like a promotional pack-in. I'm sort of bummed that I spent money on it in a way. Oh, really? Yeah, because, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, what is interesting about it is how big Jump really is in the sense of they have their own paper recycling plant that ships the recycled paper right to the printer and that the printer prints jump on these resin plates and prints so many copies still that the plates sometimes wear out and have to be swapped out because they print so many copies of jump like jump is down in circulation, but that 
they're still printing, you know, a million and a half copies a week or something That's like insane. that. Yeah. So the amount of infrastructure that they tour behind to show how the prints are, you know, how the prints are made, how the paper copy, uh, the paper company puts the paper together, why there's colored sections and what the colored sections mean. Like, that's pretty interesting, but it also really gets kind of dragged out for the full volume, and then it's over. And it's sort of like, I really did kind of want to see it at every stage. And interesting, un perhaps unsurprisingly enough, they really didn't necessarily want to go all the way all the through way. that. And there's also just a lot of like, wow, you know, the cartoonist drawing it, who was a, a, you know, a manga artist who more or less gave up on it and and isn't uh opened an onigiri shop and isn't an onigiri maker and then gets called to to do this series is handpicked by one of his old editors to come back and do this um it seems like kind of a fun way to a potentially interesting way because it's someone who's no longer in the industry and could, that could have been a very uh, interesting way to sort of look at all this, but instead it's just um, every fourth page is him going, wow, jump is more awesome than I could have ever imagined. And I'm like, yes, mm, okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm sort of sorry. I paid eight bucks for that. But, um, but that being said for people who are interested, uh, that's out in the world. Um, I would recommend trying to figure out a way to get a hold of it free through a library or something like that. So, as long as I'm talking about like yes manga stuff that has information about manga, I'm like, oh right, I read this volume that was kind of woefully disappointing in that regard. I'm sorry, I put myself on mute again because I was coughing, and then I realized I was talking to you, and you weren't responding at all, and I was like, oh, he, he can't hear, <laughs> he can't hear me at all. It would only be a, a wait, what if one or both of us manages to put ourselves on mute and, and does not even realize? Totally Congratulations, true. everyone! Yeah, yeah, we've mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Um, yeah, I feel like there's all sorts of goofy stuff to talk about, but. Um... I don't know. Maybe it's we're already over two hours, right? So, I mean, we are, and so like we might want to just start wrapping up because otherwise it's going to be, you know, two and a half, three hour episode, and and there's no need for that. I don't think so. Nobody wants that. Yeah, I just I don't feel like there's anything that I read where I was like, oh my god, you people, you have to go grab this. Like I, I've... I, I am not exaggerating saying that beyond just like try. I can't really remember what I read this last week. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because, like I said, I was doing five days worth of work in three days. And yeah. that's the sort of thing that actually makes you forget things. Yes. So, yeah, for sure. Right. Stuff happens. Um, instead, I'm going to say that we are doing drug next week. That's right. It is going to be uh, volume six of the case files. We're, we and Judge Dredd are recovering from the apocalypse war. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I'm going to say, I think Judge Dredd actually recovers much faster than we do. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I think we, that's we, true. We will see. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's next week. And then we are going to be taking a week off because it will be San Diego weekend. And then we'll be back the week after that. So there will not be another Wait What episode for three weeks. Just to, to, to make it really weird. Uh, July is a very strange month for that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, also, the the one at the end of July, 
might be a surprise episode. Yeah. Lots of things are up in the air. We can't say for sure. Yes. For for so, people who were curious, Graham and I only really got about half of the things that we wanted to do for our 10-year anniversary done. So some one of, them, of them... is One of them is still active. Yes. And if it happens, is... I mean, genuinely exciting <laughs> and terrifying in equal measure. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. So you know, look out for us. Basically, we're 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 unlike The Walking Dead. We're we're not. This is not our last episode. So next week, Drock. Then you get a skip week to be able to recover from all the Drockery, and then of course, I'm sure after that, again, could be interesting stuff. Could just be Graham giving us the post San Diego and then you'll never guess who hit whom with a beer bottle so um so stay and tuned and then I'll tell Jeff when we stop recording and Jeff will be like no <laughs> and then we'll make weird oblique references to it for months afterwards and people will get really annoyed at us yeah I was I'm about so- to say yeah seriously I, I'm glad you laid that all out for everyone Graham so they know they know what not to look forward to uh do you do you want to do you want to begin letting everyone know where to hunt find us I, out I in the world i shall begin the begin indeed by telling everyone hi while you're missing us while you're reading along with Jock, while you're just wondering whether i'm still alive during san diego comic-con you can follow us uh kind of on the tumblr when i have time to do it because i've really been lax for the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. i apologize profusely um but that's a wait what pods.tumblr.com we have an instagram instagram.com forward slash wait what pod where i am much less lax and you find out what crazy anniversaries were happening in that week of of or that day i should say of of comic history who's got a birthday what issue was released what random tangents am i following down you can also follow us on twitter at wait what Podcasts. Jeff has a Twitter solo at LazyBastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter solo at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon-supported podcast, which means, Jeff, you get to say some words. Yes, uh, everybody, we really do appreciate um, all of your continuing um, support and attention. Attention is it's is indeed a super crucial form of support. Um but we also do need to thank the people at Patreon for throwing us a little bit of their dosh. Uh, if it weren't for them throwing us their mega creds, uh, there'd be we wouldn't really have Drock, for example, or the Baxter Building, our 50-episode overview of the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four. We uh, that sort of ridiculously uh, daunting um, comic book podcastry project is um, di- we lay it directly at the feet of our uh, wonderful Patreon listeners. But the fact that we're able to keep uh, yammering about funny books and the business of funny books uh, almost week after week and have for 10 years is um, something that we owe you uh a uh, 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 a mighty firmament of thanks for so thank you and 
Isn't there an Empress Audrey that you're supposed to be talking about? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, la, 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 la. You're like, I was like, I was like, Jeff. Yeah, no, I just ramped right up. Universe alive. Patreon people, I know. Yes, exactly. If it it all ends tonight, people will know. You'll know why. If anyone's wondering why there's been all these weird fucking earthquakes in California. That's right. It's because Empress Audrey exists outside time and you, Jeff, accidentally forgot to mention her that's right and retroactively has caused yeah. ridiculous amounts of disasters and earthquakes so yes thank you to all of our fine listeners at patreon we especially owe a huge debt of gratitude to empress audrey um for continuing to preserve this uh, neck of her cosmic domain we are incredibly grateful and obviously more than a little fearful Graham? So we should be. Let's be perfectly blimmin' obvious about it. Indeed. Hi, everyone. We're going to be going away now for a week, and when we come back, we're both going to be wearing, like, really impressive helmets and massive shoulder pads and <laughs> talking about, you know, the cursed earth and stuff. Um, yeah, and then we'll be back talking regular comics in three weeks. Don't miss us that, that much. We're, we're not worth it, I promise. In the meantime, <laughs> bye! <laughs>